Central 11. It's 65 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Earthquakes and volcanic fog are adding to the threats from Hawaii's Kilauea volcano. A 4.4 magnitude quake shook the volcano's main caldera yesterday, damaging roads and buildings at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Ash plumes from the volcano set off a red alert for aircraft and raised the threat of acid rain. Another big threat is the toxic smog belching out of over 20 cracks in the earth that have opened up over the past two weeks. Lava flows from those cracks have destroyed dozens of homes. I I watched the news last night. This can't be right. They said an an ash cloud blew 12,000 feet in the air. That could be right. I mean, that's big. Yeah. That sounds, I mean, consider this. I had a trip derailed in, uh, in Alaska. I was going to Alaska and they canceled it on a Tuesday. They're like, uh, a volcano exploded and we can't get you there till Friday. Crazy. So, I mean, they weren't going to fly through for three days after that one exploded. You know. Man, that's... Because I was thinking, well, for 30,000 feet, what does the volcano matter yeah. like? Dude, it's up there. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, people out of tune with the body's natural rhythms are more prone to depression and bipolar disorder. A study from the University of Glasgow found people who were active at night and inactive during the day were up to 10% more likely to have a mood disorder. Researchers suggest some of it can be traced to people staying up at night looking at their phones and other screens. Oh, yeah. Study could not determine if mental illness was a symptom or a cause of having an internal clock that is out of whack. Well, uh, maybe something that'll make you feel better about that. People were depressed before television. (laughs) That's true. Uh, The Poconos, not too far away from here. TripAdvisor is including the Pocono Mountains region among one of its 15 best summer adventure vacations to get your adrenaline pumping. That's in the United States. Points of attraction listed include forested peaks, churning rivers, and endless trails. And undertakings such as whitewater rafting and biking along the Lehigh Gorge Trail are recommended. No other location in Pennsylvania made the TripAdvisor list. Don't think of that as a, an adventure seeker's me, me neither. place, but apparently it is. Two years ago, 96-year-old Sylvia Bloom passed away in Brooklyn, New York. She lived a long, fruitful life working as a secretary at a law firm for 67 years. And she amassed a fortune of $9 million without anybody knowing it. News of the surprising fortune broke recently as Sylvia's estate donated more than $8 million of that uh, fortune to the Henry Street Settlement which is a New York City charity group that helps underprivileged kids. It was the largest single gift from an individual in the group's 125-year history. Uh, For most of her life, she lived in a small rent-controlled apartment and took the subway to work, and all the while she was buying and holding on to stocks, which has just continued to increase in value through the years. So good for her. God bless her. There's so many stories about that, about people who lived, I don't want to say frugally, but yeah. Yeah, simple lives. And 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 then they amassed like this huge... Uh, you know, wealth, and they they give it away on their death, and everyone's like, oh, my God. And it's almost like people get mad at them. Why didn't you spend that when you <laughs> you were taking the bus every day? Buy a car. Yeah, some people, like, you know, they don't need a lot of flash, and it's oh, just I mean, pretty simple. My dad's phrase for that was always, that guy still got his first communion money. <laughs> <laughs> a bizarre case being investigated in New Jersey where a Bergen County man is accused of kidnapping his boss in order to get child support money. 
Luis Vasquez allegedly pulled a knife on his employer late last week, then forced him to a bank so he could get money for child support payments. Officers say the man told his boss he was short on cash and needed more. Once in the bank, the victim told a teller and uh, Vasquez was arrested shortly after police were called. Vasquez worked at a limo company and was recently hired and still being trained for the job. I can't pay my child support with Jelly of the Month Club. (laughs) Give me some money. Former Twisted Sister frontman Dee Snider releasing a solo album for the Love of Metal will be available July 27th. The project was produced by Hatebreed singer Jamie Jasta and includes a wide range of guests, including Howard Jones. Wow. Lamb of God guitarist Mark Morton and Alyssa White Glutes of Arch Enemy. After its release, Snyder will take to the road in support of the album. Tour dates are already scheduled for Sweden and Belgium, and additional dates will be added soon. Finally, Chrissy Teigen has given birth to her second baby with her husband singer John Legend. She announced the birth on Twitter yesterday, saying, Somebody's here! With baby bottle emojis, she shared she was pregnant back in November after undergoing a frozen embryo transfer the newborn is a little boy joining his two-year-old sister, Luna Simone Stevens. Clouds and sun, chance of showers and thunderstorms, upper 70s for the high. It's 65 at DVE. You know, uh, the Netflix documentary Evil Genius is really taking off now, and it is sort of the talk of uh, uh, everywhere. Of everywhere, yeah. And Everybody's catching up to it now. Yeah, we had a chance to interview FBI agent Jerry Clark the other day uh, from Erie, who was the lead FBI investigator on that case. It's the DVE Morning Show, Randy Bauman, along with Val Porter and Bill Crawford. The new documentary on Netflix, Evil Genius, is blowing up big time, and no no pun intended, uh, as we said earlier, but uh, captivating the nation. Everyone's talking about the account of the pizza bomber incident that happened in Erie, Pennsylvania back in 2003. And joining us right now, uh, the FBI investigator on that case, who's featured prominently throughout the documentary, and he has authored a book on it, the uh, the definitive book on the Pizza Bomber case. Pizza Bomber, the untold story of America's most shocking bank robbery. Author and FBI agent Jerry Clark joining us right now. Good morning, Jerry. How are you? Good morning, everyone. How are you? Great. Good. Thanks for making time. I know you're super busy. So the first question I have for you about the documentary Evil Genius is, what is your review of it? Well, you know, it, it, it's certainly entertaining and um it it has a lot of really uh neat visuals in it so if you haven't seen a lot of the visuals or haven't been able to see a presentation that i'm able to do on it um it's it's pretty neat to see i gotta tell you that but really when you try to take eight years of an investigation and and really compile that into four hours you're gonna you know lose out on a lot of the factual basis quite honestly yeah, so the one thing I thought when I watched it was at the end it takes a big turn and the documentarian who was uh, investigating this on his own time of his own volition was able to uncover information that we can't really verify, but it right. markedly changes the the narrative of what went down on that day. So I'm um, re- referring specifically to the uh, Jessica Hoopsick confession, saying Brian Wells, the guy who was murdered on that day or was killed and complicit, depending on what you think, that her account of it was he had nothing to do with it. Now, when you yeah. watch that, do you think, oh, boy, I wish I would have known that? Or do you think you can't just throw that out there? Yeah, uh, probably the second. <laughs> the second uh-huh. one. Yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine if you sat through trial and you watched 
the evidence presented and you basically heard information from other co-defendants and witnesses uh, for for that to be um, something that, that's believable. But again, they want to throw that out. It's 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 um, drama. It's it, it's it's exciting, and and people want to you know make up their own mind. But if if factually you knew the case. Uh, that might be difficult for you to understand. One of Brian Wells' co-workers is found dead of an overdose. After all of the investigation and everything, what is uh, the, the Bureau's determination as to his involvement, if any? Well, again, if you, if you go back to trial transcripts, and really, when you think about this, the investigators have really no you know, push to have anybody in or out of a case. You just follow the evidence, and you follow where everything takes you. And co-defendants and co-conspirators who cooperated with us in the case indicated that Robert Panetti, the second pizza delivery driver, was at the tower site um, and was involved in the incident. So his role was to uh, hmm. keep Mr. Wells involved in it and to pay him money for uh, his, his role in helping in the scheme. Wow, because that's not really yeah, ever that wasn't in the documentary. Uh, mentioned. No. No, they didn't. Again, it's if you think about this, it took us a long time to put this together because you basically have three deaths in three weeks and all in different sort of jurisdictions, but all in Erie, of course. But tying them all together into one big scheme was the difficult part. And really, Jessica Hoopsick was the link between all those people and really tied the case together. So if you follow it factually... This case was done for one reason. Marjorie Deal Armstrong's father had a lot of money, and she wanted it. And the only way to get it was to have him killed. So she went to Ken Barnes and said, Ken, I'd like to have my father killed. He'd say, I'd love to do that. I need 250000 down. She says, well, where am I going to get 250000 Well, let's rob the bank. So the crux of this pizza bomber was to rob the bank, to get the money, to pay Ken Barnes, to kill her father, to get the inheritance. So it's just a, a crazy money scheme. Why Why couldn't, this is kind of a legal question, but why couldn't a co-conspirator be charged with murder? Or was that something else the documentary got wrong? Because they kept yeah. saying that she d was, was saying that they were in on it and they had planned it together because she couldn't be charged for the murder of, of Brian Wells. And, and so she couldn't be given the death penalty because couldn't he be both? Couldn't he be a co-conspirator that wasn't in on it enough to know that he, because I, I can't make sense of why that bomb was real if right. he was in on it. Exactly. He did not know, unfortunately, and for Mr. Wells, I'll always remember, you know, that's a horrible way to die, certainly mm -hmm. on videotape in front of all of America to see. Uh, he did not know that that bomb was real. And, they duped them. They basically said, wear this device. If you caught, you're a hostage. If you, you, you know, then you get off. If you get through it, you get done and we pay you the money. And he, he had no idea. So in, in the federal system, there's no homicide charge specifically, but the way we charged it with a bank robbery resulting in death from the use of a destructive device, it basically was the same thing. It was a life imprisonment charge. And it was uh, certainly the best charge that we had for the case. But it, it, that whole crux of them saying, hey, you know, he didn't think he was, or the people involved didn't think that they would get a death penalty, just really makes no sense because they're at least getting life 
for for uh, in which Marjorie Deal Armstrong did. Do you believe that it was always their intent to kill him, to have him out somewhere on the scavenger hunt and have this device blow up and sort of get rid of a, a loose end? That's exactly right. He never was intended to live that day, and it was a big game and, and really Rothstein with this maniacal twist of the scavenger hunt and, and making him go to stops. See, here's the other part they don't talk about. If, if you rob a bank and you take that money and go on different you know, scavenger stops, that's a very bad plan because you could be stopped anywhere along the way and have the money with you. So their plan was to rob the bank, transfer the money outside of the bank to Bill Rothstein, and then let Brian Wells go on these series of stops, and wherever it detonated, it, you know, the timer goes off, he, you know, it, it, it goes off, and he, he dies. But as it turned out, 911, and people were calling 911 while Brian was in the bank even, and he couldn't make the transfer of the money. So the money never left his car. And so that's why it looked like a, a, a bad plan. Mm. But the plan was, was, was really foiled by, by witnesses who were watching. You spent a lot of time with Marjorie Deal Armstrong. Did you believe anything she said? You know what's interesting about her? She, she was extremely intelligent, extremely, uh, you know, intimidating. everybody said. Oh, listen, she, she was really fun to interview, quite honestly. I mean, you, you once in a lifetime as, a, as an agent, I've interviewed thousands of you know, people over the years, but to interview her was so unique. And she knew when she was right, but she did not try to deny things that she knew you could prove. So, for example, I'd say, Marjorie, why were you at the Shell station? And she said, well, if you have me on video, I must have been there. But why I was there was unknown to me. I didn't know why I was there. Bill had me there. And why were you at the tower site? Well, I don't know. He drove me there, but I don't know why I was there. So nothing made sense if you think of it. Mm-hmm. But to her, it, she knew not to, to try to um, show that it wasn't true. So she was really manipulative, very smart, and um, certainly cunning as all get out. But she definitely had that, you know, mental illness mm-hmm. that that drove her there's a scene where you talk about investigate or interviewing brian rothstein uh, for the first time and, yes and he says to you i just want to let you know yeah. i'm the smartest person in the room right and it's just you and he in the room <laughs> and I, when i heard you say that i thought and this is early in the documentary and i, I immediately thought oh this guy did it I mean, <laughs> like, why would you say that? Right. I mean, what went through your head when you when he said that? Were you basically like, uh, you know, metaphorically licking your chops? Like, <laughs> gotcha. Oh, I, was, I was literally pounding my chest. I, yeah. I when I walked out of the room, I was a hundred percent convinced. And that's where when people go, "Wow, they didn't know this. They didn't know that." Well, of course we knew. But there's again, like Jason Wick said, the special agent from ATF. There's this thing called evidence, right? And there's this thing called beyond a reasonable doubt in court, and you have to prove that. And making those links were difficult, but we went through a series of hypothetical questions in that interview, me and Bill Rothstein and I, and I would ask him things, and he wouldn't answer unless it was hypothetical. So I'd say, Bill, why would Brian Wells not drive right to the police department? Say, I got a live device. Why does he go rob the bank? And he says, well, hypothetically, Jerry, if, if that were to be true, maybe they told him that the the, the caller was booby-trapped, and if he went off course, he'd get a shock. 
And I thought, holy cow, that's pretty good. I don't even just make that up right there, you know, while we're yeah. sitting there. <laughs> so it, it was crazy, some of the hypotheticals that we went through. And when I walked out, like I said, I was like, this guy's in. There's yeah. no doubt. So then, you know, the blue van incident. Uh, uh, you, you know, th- there's a couple of things where in the documentary it looks like, how could you have let this guy get a- get away with as much as he did for as long as he did? And by get away with it, I mean he had not yet been arrested. Well, what had happened was, and because there was three different jurisdictions like I talked about, Pennsylvania State Police was involved Erie Police Department, and then the FBI and ATF. He was being looked at for the death of Roden, which is the body in his freezer. The first one. Exactly. So that didn't technically fall under my jurisdiction because of the fact I had not yet made the link to Wells and Roden and and the two deaths. So theoretically, they're dealing with him, and they're using him as a witness against Marjorie Deal Armstrong. Now, eventually he gets charged, but he never goes to court because he dies before he goes to court, and he was being charged with an abuse of corpse because he took the body from one scene to another, and then they were going to obviously cut it up into pieces. And yeah, the meat grinder. They went shopping for a meat yeah. grinder, you know. Yes. Ah. Yeah, well, they shopped for a meat grinder, and they also bought, a, you know, I had receipts for the freezer that they bought. I had receipts for a meat grinder and an ice chipper. Uh, but the thing is, the ice chipper he bought was something you'd make margaritas with. You know, and he, I looked at it and I go, "You're smarter than me, and you're going to put a body through that." I mean, you're it was doing incredible. a toe at a time, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Why do you think he called police about the body in the freezer? He t- oh, that's I mean- a great question, and I get that all the time. And really, what it was, he started to panic, and he didn't want to mm-hmm. cut the body up all of a sudden. And Marjorie Deal Armstrong was on him, on him, on him. And he thought that she was going to try to kill him. And he said to Stockton, the guy that was living in his house at the time, he said, listen, I'm going to meet Marjorie Deal Armstrong. If I'm not back in 15 minutes, she killed me. And it was basically his way of saying, I either turn this body in and take the gamble that they don't make the link between these cases, or she's going she's gonna to have me killed or kill me herself. Wow. So he he picked the second one, and and that is uh, turning turning her in. So uh, it seemed like the law enforcement agencies, as depicted in the documentary, had a right. tough time communicating with one another. I'm referring to snitch letters. Yeah. Uh, 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 is it true that that this was like a lot of stuff that would have been useful and was just buried, or was protocol followed and it's just made to look as though there were some sort of kink in the operation? And, and again, another great question. The, the, the interaction between the law enforcement agencies in Erie is really very, very good. And, and I have a lot of friends in EPD and, and PSP. It, it was the fact that they each had their own homicide they were dealing with, and they were trying to keep things, again, singular, close to the vest so that nobody knows. Would it have been helpful? Yes. And we eventually got them, and they were chock full of really good information. So there was some delay. I'm not going to say that there wasn't. But at the same time, I don't think anybody had any horrible intent. It was just trying to keep, you know, the authenticity of their case uh, for their evidence that they needed if they were going to case 
or, or trial on, on their single case. But as it turned out, they were all related, so it was very important information. So not necessarily an evil genius, but uh, a, a, an evil uh, sociopath, basically. Exactly. I mean, she... She just has death all around her, and if you, we have a second book, Mania and Marjorie Deal Armstrong, where we delve into her alone, and it's just filled with all the deaths around her, which puts her in a unique serial killer category for yeah. a female. Uh, so she's one of a kind, there's no doubt. It's a great documentary and entertaining, but uh, take it with a grain of salt and uh, understand it might not be exactly how everything happened. As Read the book instead. Yes, read uh, exactly. Jerry's book, Pizza Bomber, The Untold Story of America's Most Shocking Bank Robbery. Jerry Clark, uh, Agent Clark, thanks so much for your time this morning. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. That was great. Okay, Thank we'll you. see you. Appreciate it. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit is here with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike, what's going on? Oh, look at a jersey you got today. We got the USA hockey jersey on. Big game today. Big time to bounce some checks, Randall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that phrase. The one time it's acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> sports this hour brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. Let's start with the Pirates who got it done again yesterday at PNC Park. 3-2 to two over the White Sox. Josh Bell... A pinch hit RBI single in the bottom of the seventh. The difference maker for the Pirates who were without Starling Marte and Francisco Cervelli. But nonetheless uh, completed their two-game sweep of the White Sox and a four-game sweep in the home-and-home season series. Jamison Tyone started and got a no decision. He still hasn't won a game since April the 8th. But a little bit better yesterday. Five and two-thirds innings, five hits, two runs, both of them earned, three walks, and five strikeouts. Uh, two of the five hits that Tyone surrendered left the yard, but he only gave up two runs, and he got the ERA down to 3.97. Five and two-thirds innings, almost twice as long as the three-inning outing he had last Friday when he suffered that lacerated finger. So uh, he looks like he is tracking in the right direction. 20,286 on hand for a Wednesday afternoon. That's pretty good. That's huge. A lot of busloads of kids, as uh, you'll have on these games. But uh, Double the crowd from the night before. Just about, yeah. Maybe people are uh, starting to come back around. Uh, I mentioned Cervelli and Marte did not play. Cervelli warmed up pitchers between innings, so he seems fine. And uh, Marte, according to Adam Berry of MLB.com, said through his interpreter that, quote, it's definitely just discomfort, nothing sharp. Nothing crazy painful. It's just a discomfort that we're trying to figure out what it is, where it's coming from, not trying to make it worse. He's talking about oblique discomfort. Mm-hmm. Marte doesn't think he's going to have to go on the disabled list. So that's encouraging. Sean Rodriguez played center field in Marte's absence yesterday. And uh, Elias Diaz, the fine backup catcher, replaced Cervelli. That's, that kid Diaz is pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're they're covered there. Uh, short term, they could probably survive Marte, but uh, anything long term might uh, change the outlook for the Pirates. Josh Harrison was supposed to play uh, in a rehab assignment in Altoona last night, but the double-A curve got rained out. Uh, Harrison is scheduled to play again with Altoona tonight. And according to Adam Berry, uh, Joe Musgrove remains on track to make his final rehab start on Friday for AAA Indianapolis. So maybe some more help for the rotation coming up over the hill in mm-hmm. the form of Musgrove, who was a big part of that Garrett Cole trade. Wasn't the other guy in that Garrett Cole trade, uh, wasn't he the, like, uh, the player of the week last year in the, uh, that Indy League? 
He might have been. Yeah, sorry. I thought I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. I, I can't remember the guy's name. I'm sure he's doing he's, a hell of a job. He's lighting it up, apparently. No, well, but the uh, I don't want to say apologists, but the people who are the you know the diehard pirate fans who stand by these moves as being good for the club are quick to point out, like, hey, everybody they got is actually contributing, and this guy's going to be next. And for what it's worth, for for what it's worth, <laughs> not you know the, the Dickerson acquisition. Yeah, but that had nothing to do with trades. Enough, well, that was right. That was a. Uh, didn't they trade that crappy reliever for him? I thought they just picked him up. Didn't Tampa just make him available? I thought they traded the Hudson for him. You I may be, be right. I could be wrong. Yeah, they did. Because remember, they didn't get. They didn't pick up any free agents. Yeah, they didn't sign. Oh, that's any free right. Guy. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was a trade, uh, and that was a steal. That was, was Hudson. That, that was getting rid of a guy who was a big part of the problem. And acquiring a guy who has so far been a big part of the solution. Oh, yeah. Dickerson's been great. And And Hudson was terrible. And to get that salary of his off the books, find somebody to take him was amazing, number one. And then uh, to pick up your starting left fielder, not a bad deal. 25 and 17. uh, Pirates remain percentage points ahead of the Brewers for first in the NL Central. The Brewers beat Arizona yesterday. The Cardinals beat Minnesota. They're a game back. The Cubs lose to Atlanta. They are two back. San Diego is in town for the first of four starting tonight. Chad Cole for the Pirates. He's 4-2 and two with a 4.17 ERA. He'll be opposed by Eric Lauer, 1-2, 8.27. A outfielder Jason Martin was the Eastern League player of the week, A. Okay, so it made sense to get rid of Garrett Cole. Then. <laughs> I mean, now, yeah, Cole's striking out 15 guys a game, but we got the Eastern League player of the week. I'm not for one the, week. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm just telling you. I feel way fair, better, way better about that. <laughs> uh, the Golden Knights got it done last night against the Jets, four to two. Vegas, which now leads Winnipeg, two games to one. And uh, if you think that's significant, it might be when a Western, excuse me, when a conference final or semifinal series is tied at a game apiece since 1974-75. The game three winner. Holds an all-time series record of 35-8. and eight. That's an 81.4 success rate. Caps and the Lightning will play game four of their series tonight in D.C. Washington leads that series two games to one, but the home team hasn't won a game yet in that series. NHL also announcing yesterday the three finalists for the General Manager of the Year Award. They are Kevin Sheveldayoff of Winnipeg. George McPhee of Vegas, and Steve Eiserman of Tampa. I'm a big believer in these uh, coach and general manager of the year awards that the the guys who win the trophy at the end of the season are the coach and the general manager of the year. But I want to make one exception this year Vegas. in the NHL. If George McPhee is not the general manager of the year, then they should stop having right. such a thing. Put together a hell of a team. He's got an expansion team. And right now he's two games away from the Stanley Cup final. That's your general manager of the year. Should be unanimous, right? Now I'm kind of rooting for the Caps to win so that they lose to to Flower. That's the that's what I want to see happen. It's a possibility. Just that glowering caveman Ovechkin against the goofy Frenchie, <laughs> you know. I just, just want to robbing see him more. of his, of his NHL dreams. of my stick, oh, I am rubbing it again. Uh, it is good to see you again. I just want to see more more of these game 
these games in Vegas. It is wild. I guess they had some big to do before the game last night. Again, I oh, didn't yeah. see it. I didn't see it. Either. Everybody was tweeting about like their pregame is just ridiculous, and I kind of love it. I mean, it would be fun to be at a game. They had this huge jet, you know, uh, projected onto the ice, and then the jet is flying at the night, and then it takes off, and pyrotechnics go off, and the crowd just looks like it's going crazy. That stuff works great when you're winning. Yes. When you're losing, everybody hates it. And this is all still so new. It's their first season, the first playoff run. I don't know if three years from now it's going to be as right. unique. But, hey, ride the wave till it hits the beach. Uh, the Pitt-Penn State game on September the 8th at Heinz Field is going to be played at 8 o'clock at night. It's going to be the ABC Saturday night game of the week. It's going to be a big day on the North Shore. The uh, Pirates play the Marlins at 1.05 that afternoon. And then uh, Pitt and Penn State at night. World Hockey Championships, the quarterfinals, are scheduled to be contested today. It's the U.S. and the Czechs at 10-15, along with the Russians and the Canadians. Uh, in the other two matchups, Sweden takes on Latvia at 2-15, as well as Finland against Switzerland. And uh, last but not least, uh, Mike Sullivan penned a thank you to the city of Pittsburgh yesterday. The Penguins posted it on their website. It is long. It is detailed. It is emotional. It is from the heart. There is a, a lot to chew on there. I, I highly recommend it. It's a great read. Uh, I'll just give you a little snippet here. Uh, part of what Sullivan had to say, quote, I hate losing. Sometimes I think that I hate losing more than I enjoy winning. I knew there was something I liked about this guy. So you can imagine how I've felt over the last week as I've tried to digest a different type of losing, one that leaves you with an empty feeling. We'll learn from it, certainly, but I also want our guys to remember and savor all that they've accomplished. It hurts now, but when I've had a chance to sit outside on my deck, cigar in one hand and a Guinness in the other, I'll absolutely appreciate what these players and coaches have achieved over the past few years. Moving forward. It goes on like that. It's it's some good stuff. I don't know if I can ever forgive him for not winning a cup. I mean, who does he think he is? I mean, cigar if you are the Penguins organization... Pittsburgh's pretty blessed right now with some uh, uh, inspirational coaching. I mean, you look across the board. I mean, Clint Hurdle sends out a daily affirmation. I mean, guys would run through a wall for him. Sully, we already know how effective his technique has been. I mean, Tomlin is, you know, a great motivator. Never had a losing season. Been to the top of the mountain. And he uses like that military jargon kind of, you know what I mean? He kind of like he just repeats the same we thing. Want to die over with over our over. boots on. Yeah. And if you go to a park game, you might end up sitting next to Kevin Colbert. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> He's a man of the people. But I can see Sullivan sitting there with a cigar and a beer and just pondering stuff. Yes. Well, that's he it. deserves that time to ponder. Yeah, he hasn't had a lot of time to ponder since he's been here. None of us have. Val's got news uh, coming up top of the hour. What do you got, Valerie? Well, do you sleep better when you are away from your significant other? We'll talk about that. Clouds and sun, chance of showers and thunderstorms, upper 70s. For the high today, it's 65 at DVE. iHeartRadio. Go to uh, uh, the uh, iHeartRadio.com. Download the app. 
put it on your smartphone, your tablet. You can listen to us wherever you go. Take DVE everywhere with you or use the app as your own personal music streaming device. You can set up your own uh, like uh, channel. You can type in hair bands and a bunch oh, of hair bands. Oh, yeah. I was listening to the hair band channel a couple weeks ago. Were you really? Yeah. Yeah. iHeart. It is your one-stop shop for streaming, and you can take DVE everywhere with you when you use iHeartRadio. Lori, why do we have to leave Cranberry? Oh, come on, Lenny. All the top chefs are moving into the city and opening restaurants, not the suburbs. Yeah, but I read in the paper yesterday that those chefs didn't bring the servers with them and they can't find any good help now. Ugh, nonsense. At these high-end restaurants, the servers go through a rigorous training session. Uh-huh. Chef here was a beard finalist last year. He's not going to have an inept staff. Oh, here comes our waiter now. Hey, hey, what's up, you guys? I mean, good evening. And welcome to Shiv. I'll be your waiter. I mean, server. <laughs> My name's Mike, but everyone calls me Big Mike, even though they told me not to tell you that part. <laughs> It's my first day working here after working down a spaghetti warehouse for a long ass time. So, hope you still got me some slack. Oh, great. Can I start you off with some agua? Oh, yeah, we'd love two waters. Okay. Fancy or tap? Pro tip. I go with the fancy stuff because the water on this end of town makes Flint, Michigan look like Poland Springs, if you know what I mean. Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you have a beer list? No, nah, they made me memorize it. Uh, I think we got Uncle Fappy's Riverberg PA. Uh, we got a Werner Herzog Stat. Uh, there's a Felch Barn Weed, I think. Yeah, I've never heard of any of those. Yeah, I'm probably saying it wrong. For real, just getting iron. I mean, they only keep them on tap to be ironic. But the rest of that stuff tastes like yeast barf, if you ask me. Mike? It's Big Mike. Is there a wine list? Uh, yeah, it is freaking huge. <laughs> also, we have a sommelier if he's got any questions about it. A sommelier? What'd I say? You said he was a sommelier. Well, I don't know about that, but he's definitely ethnic. <laughs> Ken's a good dude, though. He's got them gauges in his ear, but he's a good listener. I'll send him right over. All right, now he's got any questions on a menu? Because I sure did when I first saw it. Oh, my God. Um, how is the fluke prepared? Uh, Chef cooks it. It's real, real good. Mm, cooks it how? Like in a pan. Wow. He puts all kinds of stuff in it. It's awesome. How's the tartare? <laughs> Raw as hell, dude. Oh, my God. For real, they showed me that. I was like, come on. Raw beef. This is Fear Factor. Where's Joe Rogan, huh? You know, I just, I just want to double check something. Was the chef here a, a Beard Award finalist? I don't know, but Ken probably was because he's got a forest on his chin. <laughs> Big Mike. Now you got it. Would you mind grabbing us the waters while we look over the menu some more? We're going to need a little more time. No sweat. Totally understand. I'm going to fire it down a spirit real quick in the alley, and I'll be right back in. Oh, you should check out that pork belly. At first, I was like, no way. I ain't eating nobody or nothing's belly unless it's Diane's. But good as hell, I'm telling you, it tastes like bacon for real. Don't be afraid to get adventures. This is all about down here at Shiv. All right. Hey, Ken, can I get a light? Do you want to go back to Cranberry? Well, I'd say let's stick around and see if he can pronounce the dessert menu, but I think Big Mike is over there getting fired right now. Hey, all I did was lay the spirit off the stove. I used to do that all the time when I worked up at Grandview Saloon. What's the big deal? Erg.
I mean, unless he sharts in the 16th chapel, <laughs> like, how do you up that? The you 16th? Gotta, I you mean, what is 16th? it? What did I say? <laughs> First through 15th. I'll tell you what. Don't. Do what you want to. 16th. One through 16th is the best. <laughs> that was so funny. That was like a little kid would say that. That was funny. The 16th chapel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Did you get here with Doc Hollywood? Yeah, I did. <laughs> the 16th Chapel. I don't know why it's not called the 16th Chapel. I mean, why is it called the Sistine Chapel? <laughs> I think that's a typo. <laughs> they messed up, not me. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. I'm just upset that Meghan Markle's dad won't get to go to the wedding. No, he had some stints put in. What a drag. Actually, I don't even know who the dude is. But I can't stop care. seeing that story. I don't know it's anything everywhere. about him. He could be a terrible, terrible person. Yeah, he might be. For all I know. But you So would... it's not the picture thing that he's not going for. It's because he's having some surgeries. I think the picture thing started it. He claims he was so upset over all this that he had a heart attack last week. Me too. When he told, he, he sent the picture thing you're talking about is that he sold some pictures to TMZ or something. They staged pictures of him, I guess, shopping or getting ready to make the trip. Which is that the I picture mean, I saw of him looking at a book that said London? <laughs> I think so. I, there was one of him looking at books. He's like, well, where am I going now? I better get a book. Do you have any London books? How to be a step-in-law <laughs> for the royal family. Well, then on one of those tabloid shows, I saw her half-brother wrote a letter to Prince Harry saying how shallow and awful Meghan is. <laughs> how pissed is the royal family at Harry for bringing this chick with all this baggage in there? I don't oh know. How did they even meet? I think they were introduced by mutual friends. Yeah. I mean, she's an actress, whatever. Bumble. You know. You would think that the royal family would have somebody to go out and pay off her family and just be like, look, shut up, you rubes. Here's some money. Go away. Yeah. Shut up. Enjoy the rest of your life. Exactly. Uh, but no, that's not the case. So we get to see TMZ just following this dad around for a while. The uh, <laughs> the U.S. television stations are going crazy over this. They are. They're, I think it's 5 a.m. Saturday is when coverage begins hmm. of the wedding. Interesting. Everyone is in desperate need of a distraction. Yeah. So this is good. Well, maybe that's what it is, yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a princess story. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> Not to me, but to some people. Wasn't she it. already married once? Yes. I don't remember the, oh. the fairy tales having a divorcee. <laughs> <laughs> they do now. Oh, you know, the queen is so pissed. Oh, does this piss off the queen? Because she's like, he's the horse trainer's son anyways. Yeah, really. <laughs> right. What do you got? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. There's Central 11. It's 65 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by BobbyRayHall.com. Areas around Allegheny County still flooded this morning due to that heavy rainfall from last night on Route 51 near Whited Street. Heavy construction equipment was being used to scrape away mud and debris overnight. That area, fortunately, has been reopened this morning. Pittsburgh police say chunks of blacktop the size of small cars were torn away from the road on 
Beck's Run between Agnew and Wagner Avenue forcing its closure. At least one water rescue happened last night. Another family able to get out of their vehicle before being trapped. Uh, flash flood warning may linger today as officials monitor possible rising waterways. Craziness. The yeah, dumpster floating down 51. <laughs> Nuts. 51 was closed from the West End Circle to like 88, That's... Baldwin Whitehall. Last I can't night. believe that. I think they're really taking a lot of precautions these days, too, though. You know, in, well, in addition well, to it at being the interche- or at the that intersection, it was it it was deep. I'm not sure the where it was. was. They were just showing different pictures on the news, but somewhere the water was clear up to you know the sign of a road sign. Oh yeah, no kidding. Bowsman Street. I think it was Bowsman. Was Street. it that where it was? I, I kept saying I mean, that. Randy Bowsman. Randy Bowsman Street. It's crazy, and where I live. Not a drop of rain last night. And then it all fell oh, within like, crushed. what, like a half an hour? It was quick, yeah. Which is the flash of the flash flood. Because I got a warning. Like, you know, you get the normal warning on your phone, like, dude, 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 the National yeah. Weather Service is issued. This one was like, I thought a tornado was right on top of me or something. That's how it was way more severe than normal, the warning. Oh, th- th- yeah, it was really? like, wah, Oh, wah, yeah. Wah. <laughs> Hey, Joe, will you please get, cut that out for me so I can use it for any subsequent warnings that we may need to issue? <laughs> I mean, it that's, was that's hard. Doing the, <laughs> oh, no, the penguin's coming to town. And then mix that up with the Willie Gay sound. I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> so hopefully everybody's able to... You know, not suffer too much damage today, but I know a lot of people got their homes flooded. And, oh, yeah. totally. So I had a stream running through the garage, and I was just like, "Son of a!" I'm outside looking at the perimeter, like, "Guess I got to do a French drain." Start YouTube and French drains. Dig a moat. You don't have a drain in your garage? Yeah, we do. But I'm saying, like, outside, Exterior like I want to okay. find a way to feed the water away from the Somewhere house. Yeah. Yes. Donald Trump has come clean on the $100,000 debt he repaid to his personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, last year. Yet the financial disclosure on Wednesday also raises questions that he wrongly left out the transaction in a sworn filing last year. Released by the Office of Government Ethics, the disclosure didn't spell out exactly what the payment was for, but it's been widely reported Cohen paid $130,000 to Stormy Daniels. Uh, to keep her quiet before the election. According to a footnote in the filing, Trump reimbursed Cohen between $101,001 and $250,000 last year, but that information was left out of 2017's financial disclosure form. In a letter to the Justice Department Wednesday, the Office of Government Ethics said the payment is required to be reported as a liability. So I guess the payment actually so isn't the a... problem, it's the the lie. Yeah, hiding it was illegal. Um, so just, be, well, on, just be honest about when you're paying people off. Sure. Well, you're, you're porn stars. <laughs> it doesn't matter though, Val, because he was forgiven b- uh, of all of his sins by that, the, the bigot guy that he had speak at the, uh, a- a- embassy opening. Oh, Jeffries. And, yeah. So he said, it th- hey, you're clean. You got a clean slate. So he's good to go now. No worries. Cohen or Trump? Trump. Well, probably no. Both. Cohen say Cohen. Cohen's Jewish. <laughs> yeah. No, so I don't know if that would work. He's in trouble. Does do, does that transfer? I don't know. I don't if you know. saw the Ronan Farrow report that was uh, uh, filed late last night, Cohen is in a whole lot of trouble. That guy is. I mean, he's going to get pardoned probably, but I don't know if you can get pardoned from certain state crimes. Can you? 
I don't know how that works. No idea. It's interesting. We're no learning clue. a lot about civics. This is really, it's been good for the country in that regard. If you eat chicken wings, well, your nightmare is over. They're, they're getting cheap again. They're, they're going to be much more affordable. A year ago, there was a crisis. The price of chicken wings skyrocketed, putting a lot of pressure on restaurants, with many of those restaurants actually taking wings off the menu. It was uh, like gold getting chicken wings. Uh, since then, though, prices have dropped. They're now at a four-year low. Yeah. So eat up. <laughs> well. Again, that's because we broke that deal with Iran. <laughs> and if you eat chicken wings a lot, nah, maybe you don't care so much about this story. But apparently the easiest way to lose weight is get blue plates. A study found that people who ate in a blue room ate 33% less. Apparently it has to do with how the color changes the look of your meal. Blue lights make food look less appealing, while warmer colors, especially yellow, have the opposite effect. That's according to Val Jones, M.D., president and CEO of Better Health. Fast food restaurants, she says, have known this and used it for decades, which is why almost all of them have yellowish interiors. That way you eat more. Plus, they don't they have the yellow lights, the orange lights really? baking the food? Yeah. Interesting. A man named Thomas Morgan has pled guilty to charges of indecent exposure after being arrested for an incident at the University of Iowa in which he was spotted lurking around a urinal with a ruler held up to his Johnson in full view of other people using the bathroom. Look over here. (laughs) According to the police report, the 44-year-old partially turned his body towards the victim slash witness in order to guarantee maximum exposure. Mm. One witness claimed Morgan turned to him to discuss his measurement. Do you know anything about the metric system? (laughs) Can you come help me? Life is a game of inches. Morgan, however, said, hey, I wasn't aroused, so what's the big deal? (laughs) Hey. That's grosser. This is... Is it? (laughs) Why would you be measuring it? Hey, I just needed a uh, I needed a flaccid read over here. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody before and after. Yeah. Why are you guys getting all upset? The judge didn't buy it and has now required Morgan to register as a sex offender and a ruler offender. (laughs) (laughs) Do you sleep better when you sleep separate from your partner? Rob Lowe recently admitted on Ellen he sleeps better when he's away from his wife. Why is that? He says it's because of her late-night iPad habit. He said she's obsessed with playing Family Feud till 5 or 6 in the morning on the iPad, and she'll wake me up and say, Honey, honey, name five foods that are gross. (laughs) He says he sleeps better on the road because he's not with his wife. He said it's the truth. I love her enough to speak the truth. He is not alone in saying he sleeps better without his significant other, according to a National Sleep Foundation survey. Almost 25% of American couples sleep in separate bedrooms or beds. Some experts even recommend couples with sleeping issues caused by everything from snoring to different work schedules get a sleep divorce where they sleep in separate rooms and they say that will be for the better of the relationship. That's a bad term. Yeah, it is. They shouldn't use that terminology, sleep divorce. It's actually a separation. It's not, you're not filing... It's uh, a but it's saving the it's, relationship more than it's sure. doing anything to like. It's a gift of sleep. Maybe That's what should, it is. Maybe you should name it that rather than a sleep divorce. I think it's way higher than twenty five percent too. Oh, I bet. I used to think, oh my god, how could you ever sleep separately? And now it's now it's not me. 
I used to grow up on the east side of Erie. I slept at my friend's house all the time. And I used to think, oh, when you get over 50, the dad sleeps on the couch. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. all my friends' dads slept on the couch with an Afghan. Mostly, I think, because they were all like doing like third shifts or whatever. They had like yeah. switching shifts and, and whatever. I don't ever remember my parents sleeping together. Neither do I, but they just got divorced very <laughs> when I was very young. Yeah, I sleep in the spare bedroom during the week just because it's so much easier with my schedule and Yeah. You know, I just I got sick of being yelled at. <laughs> That's the worst because someone it like I feel like uh partners have an excuse to be super mean to you at that point. And they can when take out other aggressions and then blame it on the sleep. Yeah. If you come yeah, in and but... unsettle them in any way, you're going to pay for it. What I'm saying is I would do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the past. Oh, come on. I'm trying to sleep. I can yeah, sleep it's... through anything. I oh, just can't Tim's the same get way. to sleep. Maybe it's a guy thing. Here's the thing about not being able to get to sleep. All right. I started doing something because I wanted to switch up. I'm reading all the sleep studies that are out now, and I know that I'm screwed, mm -hmm. so I'm trying to limit the damage. So I've made some changes, and I'm trying to go to sleep, but earlier, and turn off my phone mm -hmm. earlier, because they say you're supposed to have two hours between the time you go to sleep and the last time you log onto your phone. Are you drinking the tea that I gave you? Yes. Okay, good. Um, Lavender? Lavender yes. and chamomile. Right. So I do all that, and then... In order to fall asleep, and that, one of the things they say you need to do too is, you know, doing even five minutes of meditation helps. So if you can do meditation even before bed, like that's a helpful thing to help you. Quiets have a, your mind. Right. Sure. But I don't, I'm not good at that because as soon as I try to like just clear my mind, I start thinking of dumb stuff and I am <laughs> like, have, a cartoon is playing out in my head and I'm already in the third act and yeah. I'm actually waking myself up. Yeah. So. I started using the device, the mindfulness app, yeah, which is very helpful right. in guiding you and reminding you, like, up, 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 you're probably thinking of something. Yeah. Get your ass back over here, you know? Stop it. Right. But the problem with that, Bill, is when you use the one to help you go to sleep, it's like some guy is talking to you next to you and you're, you whispering know, to, he's in your whispering ear. in your ear. <laughs> and so I put one on last night. Because I just picked the random ones, like whatever everybody's using. Hey, I'm cool with whatever's most popular. Yeah. So I put it on, and the guy... On the one last night was breathing next to me. He's like, <laughs> "Now just breathe very, very deeply." And he's like, <sighs> "And I'm like, oh, dude, I felt like I could hit him, you know." And I'm like, yeah. I, "This is not gonna make me sleep." Please share some covers. <laughs> oh, no, this is some Buddhist guy. <laughs> You're hogging the pillow. You're hogging the pillow. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Oops, I farted. I felt like I was going to have an I argument so with sorry. that guy. I'm going to let it out slowly. <laughs> Did you bring any water upstairs? I am very thirsty. Well, then when I do that, the other thing is I wake up and I have my earbuds in and the phone buried under me. And so then you wake up because of that. And... Oh, dude. Wait, you have your earbuds in to sleep? No, when I do those meditation apps. Oh, wow. I just oh because if you're in, in a bed with a, your significant other, that's you can't just have that on. Yeah, that's not going to work. But they, those things are helpful. They they are. Uh, it's just you got to be careful which who you end up with. Or if you get somebody with a speech impediment, that's not going to relax <laughs> you either. Take some deep breaths. <laughs> like, dude, you're making me nervous. I can't go to sleep when I'm nervous. I like the mm. bong ones. The, oh, when they have like the... Like a, 
not a gong. I guess a gong. But it was just somebody hitting a bong. No, it's a, yeah. Or one of those bowls that they hit. Right, it makes the Boom. noise. I always think a show's about to begin on NBC. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many times I've awakened in the morning and thought, if I could just get one night of eight hours of sleep, I would be so happy. I There is something yeah. about women as they get a, just a teeny bit outside of 20 Sleep becomes this thing that if you disrupt it, you you better have a helmet on. <laughs> I swear to God. And Serena can only sleep in complete and utter silence and darkness? total darkness. Uh, she and I should move in together. She can hear a moth fart it's, on the moon. Me too. Maybe it's a, a woman, a guy and a female. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's genetic no, DNA. Bill, the it longer, definitely is because you're you're supposed to hear the baby's noises. That must you know, be it. Evolutionarily speaking, <laughs> I can't speak. That was no, I don't know. I I I, I wake up I, frequently. I, yeah, well, not frequently, but I I have I'm a light sleeper now. Mm, but I used yeah. to be a heavy sleeper. So I think you, the longer you do this job, the worse your sleep will get, and the worse you'll feel. So you have that to look forward to. I'm trying yeah, wait to till like you, wait till you're in your fifties. Well, what I used to do, like at this show, was I used to you know do the show, prop myself up with coffee, and then after the show, crash now. I would collapse, yeah, and sleep for three hours. Sure, I used to wow. do that, and then be up all night again. Yeah, it was a wicked cycle, and it, I just couldn't get off of that. According to Matthew Walker, the guy who wrote the book "Why We Sleep," that used to be like. The way people did it in the sort of Dickensian area, they would sleep four hours, and then uh, they'd go out and have a have a like an all nighter, you know. So they would sleep from like seven to eleven, and then they go out oh all night, God, and then they would insane. sleep from six to ten, and they would split it up, and they thought that was somehow making you more productive, which is weird. If you wake up twice, you're screwed. Basically, if you get into REM sleep twice in a day, you're in, you're in bad trouble. Well, I'm always scared because I'm 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 so tired right around two or three o'clock, and that's when I have to go pick up the kids. And when they get in the car, they just they're bitching about something, <laughs> and I'm never ready for it. And I have this fear that rushes over me, like I can't handle this. Right. At least it keeps you awake. <laughs> yeah, but it's like the worst thing ever. You know who should do uh, those meditation apps and be like a guide through your meditation? Uh, the Thinking Man's pervert, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, who joins us right now. Mr. Skin, how are you? Hey, Randy, Bill, Val. How are you guys doing? I think you, you, your thick Chicago accent would be a great thing to uh, lull Midwesterners to sleep at night. <laughs> yeah. I'll, try to, I'll try to do an East Coast one for today's update. There, well, you don't have... No, no, no. I, I like uh, your, your Midwestern uh, roots shining through. Uh the amount of big name celebrities who are doing nudity now is kind of uh, surprising. Oh yeah, you have this week. You're 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 talking about the big one, of course, is uh, Jennifer um, Aniston. No, Garner. No, Lopez. No, Lawrence. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, damn, the one I missed. So many Jennifers. So many Jennifers. Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, that's uh, quite a turn for her. Uh, at, at this point in her career, I, I would have never yeah. thought she would have done it. Yeah, you know, um, it really is amazing. Uh, 
she Jennifer Lawrence, who by the way has to be the biggest star uh, out there right now. When I launched my website back in '99, Angelina Jolie was starting to be uh, the biggest. But right now, Jennifer Lawrence has to be the biggest movie star in the world, and she hadn't done a nude scene. And then in the last year, she did that movie Mother, in which she was topless, and then really doubled down with Red Sparrow, which just came out on. Uh, came on. It actually will be out in a couple of days on video, but we have it already at our website. And if you haven't seen the nudity in this, and by the way, she plays this uh, Russian ballerina who's recruited by Russian intelligence uh, forces to become a an unbeatable spy. But the nudity in it is very graphic, and in fact, it's probably going to be among the best of 2018. It's really great. Um. Uma Thurman, also. I didn't think she ever did a nude scene before. Well, no, she's been naked before. Um, Dangerous Liaisons, uh, when she was 18 years old, was her nude debut. Oh, my God, really? Yeah, she was new to Mad Dog and Glory with Robert De Niro. But now, you know, she's in her late 40s, and she has a movie called The Con Is On, which is a comedy about this married couple. Her and Tim Roth are criminals trying to avoid uh, some massive gambling debts, and she has a uh, a sex scene with Maggie Q and uh, another guy, but more important, Uma Thurman's topless. And by the way, she looks fantastic. And it's one of those movies that you probably don't know exists. It came out in very limited release in VOD, but a great nude scene from Uma Thurman. Sofia Vergara. I, I thought maybe there was something that she had done way like early on in her career, but she recently did a nude scene. Well. Sofia Vergara, before she was famous, she was a model in Latin America. And I don't, uh, it's one of those things that's not very popular, but you know how Sports Illustrated used to do, or they still do, where uh, they'd videotape the girls doing the Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit editions? Well, she did that in Latin America in the early uh, 2000s, in which she was in a thong and different things. But she really hasn't done nudity and she has a new movie called bent which was released on blu-ray recently and she had been saying in the press that she has this new movie with nudity coming up but i want to stress when uh an actress says that you always have to take it with a grain of salt because in the scene in bent this new movie um she is topless but her back is to the camera so it's more of a side breast situation but it's still Sofia Vergara so I think a lot of guys would want to check it out it's let's put it this way it's that's Mrs. Joe Manganiello done. to you Mr. Skin all right <laughs> yeah, pretty... that is Mrs. Joe Manganiello to you yeah she oh believe me I Sofia Vergara is fantastic one of the best she's one of the actresses I wish would do a a great nude scene that yet uh, hasn't but this is as close as it gets and the movie's called Bent which is a brand new uh uh, DVD release. Now, every once in a while, you you uh, you go back into the archives. You do a <laughs> you do a history in pics type of thing. And I I got to tell you, I did not need to see Betty White naked. <laughs> well, Is this a I, silent I, film? I or? A, it was a special treat, and uh, I'm sorry, but I don't. A lot of times, things get uh, before actresses are famous. They will do things that they may regret later on. But in Betty White's case, I'm sure she doesn't care. But uh, she probably in the loves 50s, it. People don't realize it, but Betty White was a nude model. In the <laughs> I 50s. never heard this. No, I did not. Yes. I never heard this. Well, it is I shocking. 
I have the picks to prove it, and I was sharing it with you guys oh, today. And uh, this is way, way, way before anything she ever did where she became famous. But uh, if you ever wanted to see Betty White naked, we, we now have it at Mr. <laughs> Look at her, Golden Girls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, now you're going to have to come up with Rue McClanahan. And... Yeah, yeah, and I know Maude is high on your list also. Oh, yeah, sure. B. Arthur. <laughs> that... <laughs> Please don't. Uh, Mr. Skin, the thinking man's pervert, MrSkin.com. Hey, man, always a pleasure to talk to you. You got it, guys. Thanks. Take we'll care. see you. Uh, I didn't need to see Betty White naked. No. Did I steal his line? Did he call her? Probably. Her uh, no, I, I like that you were uh, you were on I mean, his how wavelength. Did, how though. did he miss that? I mean, had talkies just been invented? <laughs> it does. It looks like it's like a 1920s that picture. That is crazy. It, I know. Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, I mean, she still has the same hairstyle now, but... That's the weird thing. Yeah. Like... You look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, that's definitely Betty White. It's a deleted yeah, right. scene from the birth of a nation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on the way that's for you, incredible. Mike Crusuda with uh, with your sports. The Buckos just keep winning, and Mark Andre Fleury is two more games, two more wins away from uh, competing for yet another Stanley Cup. In addition to that, the end of an era in Oakland as Peter's Pub announces they are closing next Friday. We're going to talk with Pete coming up, 8.15, and Peter will talk about their 44 years in business in Oakland. That was a shock to hear yesterday. Yeah, it was. Also, Stan Saverin will be joining us in the 9 o'clock hour. And I uh, want to remind you, Workforce Cash, top of every hour, your chance to win 1000 bucks. Just text the keyword to 200-200. That's brought to you by RightCars.com. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit has got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. You got your USA jersey on. You're ready to go. Time to bounce some checks, Randall. What time's that game? 10-15, our time. Okay. We're talking, of course, about the World Hockey Championship quarterfinals, the U.S. and the Czechs. Sports this hour brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Let's start with the Pirates, who only got four hits yesterday in their afternoon game against the Chicago White Sox. Fortunately for the Buckos, one of them was a two-run double by Sean Rodriguez in the second inning, and one of them was a pinch-hit RBI single by Josh Bell in the bottom of the seventh. Uh, the Pirates had just enough to beat the White Sox 3-2. to two. Jamison Tyone, a no decision, five and two-thirds innings. Five hits, two runs, both of them earned, both of them coming on solo home runs. Edgar Santana with uh, an inning and a third of scoreless relief gets his first major league win. And Felipe Vasquez, uh, his eighth save on just nine pitches. Dominant uh, top of the ninth for Vasquez. Yeah. And uh, the announced crowd was 20,286. I tweeted a picture at the start of the game in the top of the first, and it did not look like nearly that many people were in the stadium. Well, I thought that the announced crowd of 11,000 from the night before sounded low because I would imagine there would have been more season tickets sold than 11,000. So by virtue of just them... Yeah, maybe not. Perhaps not. I don't know. Because don't they include season ticket sales? They do, because they're sold. Their tickets sold. Right. I would have thought they had more than 11,000 seasons. I think it's eight-something. Is it really? Okay. Again, could haven't uh, committed that number to memory. Well, it would make sense that people who hold season tickets have a harder time going to the day games. And so there might have, you know, 20,000 might be, you know, there could have been, you know, only 3,000 
season ticket holders at that game. Maybe that was it. Uh, it, it looked sparse, but we'll see if it picks up. People this. are going to start going back. I'm telling you right now, if they keep winning, yeah. people will catch Bucko fever again. And what they'll do is like how I've been saying, like, I choose to look at it like I love my wife. I can't stand my mother-in-law type of thing, you know? Well, they'll just always hate nutting and, and begrudge him for not doing more to bring us a winner, but uh, they'll always love the Buckos. Yeah, I mean, the team is looking like it's developing into what's going to be a fun team to watch. I don't know how successful they're going to be. I, I don't think that this current run, 25-17 and 17 through 42 games, I don't think that's necessarily as well as they could possibly play and it's destined to fall off. I, you know, I think they've come by that record honestly. They've done some good things. Right. They've done some things poorly. Uh-huh. I think they have some guys that have more in them, uh, uh, some guys that are capable of better than they've shown so far. Uh, they haven't gotten uh, Joe Musgrove involved, the pitcher in the Garrett Cole trade. Mm-hmm. He's uh, perceived to be a big part of this. Josh Harrison's only played 14 games. You got to think, though, Mike, that some of the you know the better teams in the divisions are going to start playing like that eventually. Well, well, and the question is, uh, how much better are the Cardinals than twenty three and seventeen? How much better are the Cubs than twenty two and eighteen? Are, are they great teams that are just kind of screwing around and waiting to kick it into gear, or is that what they have this year? No, I think they're better than that. We've also seen a lot of uh, talk about how the Pirates haven't beaten good teams. Well, they've beaten the Cardinals. They've beaten the Cubs. And in terms of beating the bad teams, that's what good teams do. The good teams beat the hell out of the bad teams, and then they split with each other. That's how you become a good team. That's so, what you're supposed to do. So beating bad teams, I don't know how you're trying to twist that into a negative. Uh, people that are trying to make that argument, not you per se. but Right. Uh, it, you know, well, it is what it is, and we'll see where it goes. But it's interesting so far. San Diego in town tonight. Eric Lawler against Chad Cool. Uh, Lawler has made four big league starts for the Padres after being promoted from AAA in late April. Uh, in the most recent of those, he gave up four home runs in two and a third innings against St. Louis. Jets, uh, four to two losers to the Golden Knights last night in Vegas. Vegas has a two games to one lead in the Western Conference final. Another win in goal for Mark Andre Fleury, the 72nd of his postseason career. That surpasses Jacques Plante for sole possession of ninth place on the NHL's all-time postseason wins list and positions Flurry to within two victories of tying Chris Osgood for eighth place all-time. Flower Ovechkin. I want to see it. Flower's out there having a ball. He's making diving saves, tickling guys' ears. And, of course, uh, he's been praised for hanging out with the uh, the kids of the uh, the GM of the uh, Humboldt County team. That, uh, the Broncos. The Broncos, yeah, that's it. NHL announced its uh, finalists for general manager of the year yesterday. Kevin Dayoff of Winnipeg, George McPhee of Vegas, and Steve Eiserman of Tampa Bay are your three finalists. Let's see, how do we break that tie? Which guy... Mm. <laughs> He's running an expansion team. <laughs> and his six effing victories away from the Stanley yeah, Cup. Yeah, it's nuts. I would say it's him, McPhee. Pitt and Penn State are going to play under the lights. Of None Hines. of these people traded away Ian Cole. <laughs> that's what they say when they give you the award. Yes, that's an accurate statement. Well, theoretically, then shouldn't the Columbus guy be the GM of the year for acquiring Ian Cole? Yeah, that, I don't know why he's not. 
He's being slighted. We'll have to ask Madden about that. But he's busy, of course, enforcing the ban on pirate games. Yes, yeah. which is people are starting to not <laughs> adhere to that. Yeah, I know. Madden's going to have to work harder to keep his ban alive. <laughs> yeah, that's what you got to do. When you, when you call for a boycott, you yeah. have to be diligent. That's right. And make sure people are adhering to the restrictions. Pitt and Penn State are going to play under the lights at Heinz Field on September the 8th. It's an 8 o'clock kickoff on ABC. Uh, International Ice Hockey Federation World Hockey Championship quarterfinals today. The U.S. and the Czechs at 10-15 highlighting the card. Speaking of Pitt, Peter's Pub in Oakland will close after 44 years. We'll talk with Peter at 8-15. And uh, we'll honor what was an institution in Oakland for decade upon decades. Over 40 years. Stan Savern a little bit later on this morning as well. And uh, we've added another show to the DVE Comedy Fest. It's the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman, along with Bill Crawford here. And Bill, the Laurel-Yanni debate took on uh, epic proportions yesterday with audiologists. Is that what they're called? Getting into yes. the uh, to, to the mix and explaining why people hear things differently. Now, I don't know if you uh, saw this, but this entire thing started because a middle school student in Georgia had to do uh, some vocabulary uh, uh, assignment and needed to have the correct definition of the word laurel. And so she looked it up on uh, vocabulary.com. And something she you was sit on, right? Pr- playing the rest on. She was playing the, the, the speak feature and she heard it as Yanni. And she's like, hey, what's going on here? So she's playing it for her other friends, and some of them were going, no, it, it, it's saying Laurel. And the other ones were saying, no, it's saying Yanni. So that's how the whole thing started. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Now, we here in the room, we were playing this yesterday, and I learned about why that is. Like, So younger people, a lot of times, will hear the higher frequencies that older people won't. Like, ours are burned out. Well, mine are in particular. So when we play it here, everyone here in the room hears Laurel, right? Yes. Laurel. Okay. Laurel. It's so clearly Laurel. Right. But if you tweak the frequency, and Uproxx had an article about this. It showed you how to do it. You can change it so that anybody who heard Laurel before will hear it as Yanni. Did you hear Yanni that time? I did. Right. So... This works for a number of different words. For instance, what do you hear when I play this? Caveman. Caveman. Right. But if I tweak it ever so slightly. Ovechkin. Yeah. Ov- yeah. Ovechkin. See? Interesting, yeah. right? You, you basically just have to go in and you mess with the different high end or low end. For instance. Charglodyte. Yeah, tweak the frequency just a little bit, and it's... Kellyanne Conway. You see how that works? Yes, I do. So I tried this out on a bunch of different words, and it even works on phrases. Like the phrase... Whirling dervish. If I remove the 20 hertz frequency from that... Sally Wiggins. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Remarkable, right? By just fiddling with certain frequencies, your brain hears a totally different and completely unrelated word. Now, up to this point, I've only been removing the low-end frequency at 20 hertz. But if I slightly adjust the high-end at 20,000 hertz, what once was the word tender becomes 
herpes. <laughs> and the word gargantuan becomes Fetterman. <laughs> Interesting. So that's all it is, folks. Mm. You mess with the high end or the low end, and everybody hears different things. Frequencies. Let me try one more thing here. Hold on. The DVE morning show. Take out the high end and hacky. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, that does. That sounds. Yeah, rings true. Interesting. Val, we'll have your news coming up when we come back. Also, we're going to be joined by Peter of Peter's Pub. They're closing after 44 years of serving drinks in Oakland. Imagine the amount of Super Bowl rings that have been in there. Oh, that place is an institution. Pit athletes and boosters, alumni. I mean, everybody. Just, yeah, I'll meet you, Peters, and we'll go up to right. the game. Meet you, Peters, and we'll go to the concert. Meet you, Peters, and we'll get trashed and just stay there until <laughs> it closes. Meet you, Peters, and we'll just won't Until they make us leave. That's right. <laughs> also, Stan Savard will be on the show a little bit later this morning after 9 o'clock. And uh, uh, once again, want to remind you, your chance at 1000 bucks coming up in five minutes. Central 11. It's 65 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by the Channel 11 News on Fox 53 weeknights at 10. Michigan State has agreed to pay out at least $500 million to victims of sexual abuse at the hands of former athletics physician Larry Nasser. An attorney for dozens of the victims says that $425 million will be paid now, $75 million being held in reserve in case more victims Victims come forward. Roughly 300 girls and young women are in line for a settlement. Nasser has been sentenced to 40 years in prison on a federal conviction and could face as much as 300 years on charges in two Michigan counties. Pittsburgh is one of the top U.S. cities for fitness. According to data compiled by the American College of Sports Medicine, Pittsburgh is the number one city out of 100 when judged by community features that promote... Not fatness? No. Uh, judged by community features that promote a fit population. Uh, the Berg, however, slips to 36th overall when adding health statistics into the mix. The American Fitness Index report also looked at health-related behaviors, health outcomes, and local policies that support physical, uh, physically active lifestyles. Arlington, Virginia, number one overall. Well, the only problem with being fit in Pittsburgh is you go for uh, a run or a bike or whatever, and you do things, you know, to stay fit mm -hmm. and uh you, you cool off by drinking a, a big glass of lead water and uh, you're just breathing soot <laughs> our air quality is garbage it is so bad we never talk about it and I know, I didn't the water i mean the guys that own the steelers have to boil their water Remember we had Art Rooney on? He's like, yeah, I'm boiling my water right now because uh, it's so poisonous. <laughs> like, like, dude, yeah, I, I think we should probably work on that. <laughs> yeah, figure that out. Like, oh, I just went for a jog. I'm just going to drink a pencil. I'll be right back. <laughs> Can we just get one big Brita for our uh, our <laughs> yeah, collective water supply? I mean, in retrospect, hiring the people who did the Flint water uh, you know, might not, not have been the best idea. An Allegiant Air flight from Orlando to Grand Rapids, Michigan, was delayed on Monday after a passenger stole a demo life vest from the flight attendants and crammed it into the toilet. If you think that sounds like something a drunk person might do, well, you'd be right. The flight, which was already delayed over an hour due to weather, which might be why the guy was drunk, <laughs> uh, started taxiing the run to the runway when the flight crew prepared to go through the usual safety demonstration, but the flight attendant couldn't find the demonstration life vest. So the pilot refused to take off until it was found. Eventually it was found crammed, like I said, into the toilet. The pilot then informed passengers, well, we're going to have to go back and get a new one. 
See what you did? Oh, how they pissed said, would you be? He said the, officially they can't take off uh, the F, unless the FAA flight safety demonstration is completed. Once at the gate, the hammered passenger was removed from the plane and they took off and arrived in Michigan about 90 minutes late. Oh, I'd be so pissed. Well, your dog knows. A study commissioned by dog walking service WAG found that when it comes to dating, people trust their dogs to pick a partner. Research found that four out of five dog owners say their dog's reaction to a potential partner influences their decision of whether or not to date that person. And 86% of dog owners said they would break up with somebody who didn't like their dog. Yeah, you got to pretend. How's that not 100%? Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I'm allergic to cats, though. Yeah. My girlfriend has a cat that I'm, like, allergic to. You're suffering But it's not a deal breaker. I mean, I don't hate the cat. No, but it causes you distress, physical distress. Yeah, you know, there are worse things. Whatever. You break out in hives, or what happens to you? Does your throat swell shut? I mean, is it that serious? Uh, it's, you know, I got- Could be? Yeah, I mean, if- It's not exactly, like- was it Pet Cemetery where they're sucking the life out of the, you're oh, sucking your no. breath out? No, what was that? That was a Stephen King movie. Cats. The, the cat will take your breath. Yeah. That was, wasn't Drew Barrymore in that? Yeah, I don't remember the name of it. It was a Pet it. Cemetery, though. But dogs are pretty good judges of character. So if a dog doesn't like somebody, there's usually a pretty good reason, I think. My, I remember our dog growing up was like the most docile, friendly, like I was a collie. It was such a great dog. And she hated my uncle <laughs> and it turns out he was like kind of a creep like he was kind of a jerk and he's always like god i don't know why that dog doesn't like me and then like we got older we're like that's why rascal hated him <laughs> rascal yeah, knew like, when we got older we're like rascal totally knew he was a jerk rascal was trying to tell us yeah. what is it rascal Un- thir- unky's a creep <laughs> cooper diamond joe diamond <laughs> of dog owners say they have used their dog to attract a potential partner. 60% say they have been flirted with while walking their dog. 73% of dog owners say they're more likely to swipe right on someone's profile if it does include their dog. 78% more likely to go home with somebody if they also have a dog. And 16% of married dog owners say they would choose to celebrate their dog's birthday over their spouses. The only thing about that, like, puts a little bit of a pin in the idea that, like, walking your dog around is, like, an easy way to meet people Mm -hmm. is that in my, you know, 20 plus years of being a dog owner, I don't think I ever met anybody and, like, got their name. I know their dog's name. Yeah. I know everything about their dog, but you never exchange names with the person. You're like, ah, who's this? And they're like, this is Sadie. Oh, hi, Sadie. How are you? Oh, Sadie's good looking girl. Okay, we'll see you later. In the end of transaction, you know. Isn't it kind of hard to flirt, too, when you're holding a bag of poop? (laughs) (laughs) That might be attractive, though, because at least then you know they clean up after their dog. Oh, that's true. It's a good way to put it. They're not a puke who leaves it all Mm. over the place. Oh, yeah, that would immediately, if you saw somebody, like, just leaving Not cleaning it up. Crap on the uh, sidewalk, forget it. You're done. Again, I told you, that's like that and people who don't recycle will never know how people who do recycle, how low they go in their opinion. Yeah. Like, like, do you guys recycle? No, just throw in the garbage. You're like, oh, you <laughs> animals. I bet you guys poop on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Following Neil Young's announcement this week that he's leaving Facebook and Twitter soon and will have all his online postings go through his archives website, comes word he's developing an app. 
wrote on his website, the app will have a timeline with every album in the Neil Young archive, and all information about an album's music, artwork, and overall credits will be featured, not the feeble metadata available at streaming services. We want you to know all about this music. Really, what this means is great sound from your phone. He's been all about the sonic quality and the integrity of his recordings. I mean, there's something to be said for that. He says, uh, enjoy your music more as we show you the right earbuds and earphones to use with your high-res music. His last attempt at portable high-res audio, his Pono digital media player, that went bust a couple of years ago. Really? What's the... uh, which title, is, title is, the, yeah. but that's title's more like a service, like Spotify. It's not an actual player. Correct. What's the thing you have that I always confuse? Sonos, with Pono? Sonos, Ponos, Sonos and is Sonos. great. And what is that? Is that a speaker? It's like a house system, right? Basically, yeah, it is a speaker, but it, like you can get a sound bar, you can get like little speakers, mm-hmm. and you can, whatever. It just ties all into whatever streaming services you already use. So it just operates on Bluetooth. It, right. But yeah. it'll, you sign in your iTunes, mm-hmm. uh, like whatever you already have in your bank, it can access all of your music. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have Spotify or I don't think it does Pandora yet or iHeart, stuff like that, it'll all go right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, on one app. iHeartRadio uh, is uh, the, really the best one uh, to use. And I'm not just saying that because. They signed my paychecks. <laughs> <laughs> it really is the best and way better than just Sonos. <laughs> so, so Pono is like a, a hardware a player. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's like an MP3 player. It didn't Which, go well for them. You know, it didn't go well for the MP3 players. There, uh, there's hardly any more iPods. Remember, they came out, and then there was mm-hmm. the iPod Nano, and now people Nanny. have. Everything's like on the, your phone. The iWatch or, you know, your phone. They gave me the first iPod when they first came out here mm-hmm. because, like, they gave a few of us on the staff, like, here, you can use these to transfer files from your stuff at home. Keep you emails here. on here. Yeah, so, like, I thought at the time when I first got it that it was just going to be, like, a little tiny hard drive that was going to enable me to, like, take recording sessions mm-hmm. from my house and bring them here, which is what I used it for. And then... Somebody's like, you know, it's an MP3 player. Like, you can just download stuff to that and use it kind of like a Walkman. And I'm like, Duh, really? And then, like, two years later, the U2 commercial came oh, out yeah. and, and everybody went and got an, an iPod. Those first ones weigh like nine pounds. It's big. It's, it's crazy. It is definitely, um, it's like a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. It's about that big. It's a little wider than that, but about that thick. Oh, yeah. My, my first MacBook that I got with the, you know, the DVD drive. It it weighs like twenty pounds. This thing is so <laughs> ridiculous. And I remember even just uh, two years after I got it, I took it into the Apple store, and they acted like I brought in Doogie Howser's first <laughs> Apple computer. Yeah. They're like, I don't know how to use this. Does anybody here? He has. I'm like, guys, I bought this two years ago. Yeah. Everybody, settle down. That's the most infuriating thing in the world when you spend so much money on these Apple products, and two years later, everybody acts mm-hmm. like you're. Fred Flintstone. They phase out their own products purposely to keep us on the hamster wheel. So you have to go buy another one. Such a pain. Randy, I know you hate the royal wedding stuff, but it's. I don't hate it. I just, uh, you know, don't care care about it. Well, it's all over the news, so we're going to talk about it. That's fine. Um, I I actually like this Meghan Markle's dad. Like, 
little trashy. Yeah, that's what I'm really not, hoping not, he ruins things. Not somehow. royal. I hope he King Ralphs his way into this wedding and just like <laughs> somersaults all over the place. He's actually probably a very normal American, but when you look at the royals, he he seems a little trashy. But they're Shows trashy up in, a, in a bowling shirt. They're Megan, a bunch of inbred trash. English trash. It's the same thing. Meghan Markle confirming her father will not be attending the royal wedding in a statement from uh, Markle posted on the Kensington Palace Twitter account. She said her dad won't attend. Uh, She hopes he can be given the space he needs to focus on his health. He is missing the big day because he's having surgery to repair damage from a recent heart attack, having some stents put in. Uh, Elton John going to be performing as part of the royal wedding festivities. Uh, He's been close with the royal family (laughs) for a long time. You know, he was... Pals with Princess Diana. He's been uh, knighted, right? I'm sure. Yeah. He is a sir. Sir Elton John. At? The picture of Meghan Markle's dad reading a book that says, Images of Britain <laughs> is the funniest thing to me in the world. Britain for dummies. He's like sitting at a Barnes and Noble flipping through it. Images of Britain. Huh. So this is what it's like. That's as close as he's getting <laughs> to being anywhere near yes. the wedding. Here's a book with pictures of Watching Britain. European vacation. And the half-brother and half-sister of Meghan Markle have been all over the tabloid shows talking about the, the you know scandal in their family and Meghan won't give their dad money to buy a new car. And who knows what this guy's like. He might be a deadbeat. The queen is so pissed. Again, she probably thinks Harry is the uh, the stable boy's son anyways, because she reportedly had an affair with... Yeah. Well, he doesn't look like any of them. No. He lo- but he, he looks exactly like the, 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 the horse, horse trainer. trader guy. He doesn't look like Charles or Diana. <laughs> How about Charles? It's such a... Like, he cheats on uh, the lovely Princess Diana with, like, Camilla Bowles. Ugh. Camilla Bow Wow. <laughs> yeah. He looks, Harry's like a good looking dude. Yeah. Cool kid. His brother is that's for sure what, the son what, of Prince Charles. Oh, There's yeah. no doubt. He got his dome. <laughs> that's what Ed Sheeran should look like. <laughs> but he doesn't. Ed, is Ed going to sing at the uh, at the wedding? Don't know. Only Elton John so far that I've heard of. Uh, and they haven't said if that's going to be at the ceremony or the reception. I don't know. Maybe. Markle's dad can they can give him a Elton John's greatest hits and he can listen to that while he's <laughs> thumbing through images of Britain. Wonder if he'll watch it. Yeah, I don't know. He's this definitely going to watch it. Does he have a TV? <laughs> poor schlub. Or did she not? Uh, she won't buy him a television. Why wouldn't the royal family have screen? just paid for this guy to not like allow TMZ and whatever tabloid throws you know a thousand bucks his way to exploit him? You'd I think they'd want to keep that out of the papers. Maybe they just don't care. Maybe they're like, we're the royals. Yeah, maybe they're, because they're going to get tabloid treatment no matter what. So what's the point of trying to avoid any? And in celebration of the royal wedding, a Denver-based cannabis marketer and supplier has something special in the works for the royal wedding. Leafbuyer.com will soon offer Markle Sparkle. Uh, It's a strain for medical use to treat things like insomnia and anxiety, which brides-to-be often have. Did... Oh, I thought it was just glitter you sprinkled on your dad after he had a heart attack. <laughs> well, uh, he had cardiac arrest, but uh, we gave him 300 cc's of Markle Sparkle, and <laughs> he looks fabulous. He looks great. Yes, 5 a.m. 
Eastern time is when all the festivities begin. Saturday morning. People are tailgating for this. Like, people are lining the streets. Hold on, man. You can't make fun of uh, the English lining up on the streets. No, I can't. For anything. Because, I mean, they do that in Cannonsburg for a, <laughs> for to watch fire July trucks parade. go down the street. I wonder if the British put chairs out weeks in advance. <laughs> but they're like big king's chairs. <laughs> Thrones. <laughs> Velvet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's fun to watch all this stuff, I guess, to a certain extent. But uh, the poor Markle family getting dragged through the mud. I mean, they're already pretty muddy. We don't know that. They might be normal. They're not. Does it, What is the outfit that he has to wear? Because they well, were just showing now. William. Oh, like. The- Harry? Dressed up, yeah, dressed up like uh, some kind of Canadian to, Mountie. Yeah, that's probably what he has to wear, because he was in the service too. Yeah, they have to be. Yeah, he was kind of, a, he's kind of a badass. Yeah, he didn't he fly helicopters? Something like that. He won't wear the Nazi uniform he wore that one Halloween, so. Willie. That <laughs> probably won't go over well. I thought, I think, you know, in his defense, he probably thought there were no more Nazis. He probably didn't know how many Nazis were like, you know, laying in wait. I was doing well, it ironically. I think according to things he said, he kind of went off the rails for a while. Yeah, he was probably on Molly and freaking out in Vegas over, you know, hadn't slept in three nights. And someone's like, dress like Hitler. It'll be funny. He's like, good idea. Yeah. It's <laughs> the last time I hang out with Johnny football. Oh. Forecast today, uh, clouds and sun, showers and thunderstorms, possible upper 70s for the high. It is 67 at DVE. Well, all right. We're going to try to get Peter next hour, I guess. Uh, Peter from Peter's Pub. Was going to give us a shout. Oh, we might have got our wires over. crossed. Oh, okay. Maybe he's hung over. You can always look at, uh, you know, thumb through the book at Barnes & Noble, Images of Oakland. <laughs> Peter's Pub is closing after 44 years. A Pittsburgh institution. A pit campus. Staple. Staple. For decades. Uh, and their last day is going to be next Friday. They're going to close up shop. So I hope we can talk to Peter because I want to, I, I mean, it, it's got to be a tough thing for him for sure. But I, I'd love to hear his perspective on what was an unbelievable run. It's very rare that a business on a college campus lasts as long as Peter's Pub has. Oh, 44 yeah. flipping years. Almost every other bar I used to drink at in Oakland gone. is gone. Yeah. There's no C.J. Barney's still going. I know. Peters was like the, the son of that universe, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, uh, at any rate, hopefully that'll be next hour. Mike Pursuta coming in next with a sports update for you. The Buckos continue to win. And Marc-Andre Fleury is two wins away from another Stanley Cup final. Friends. DVE Sports. All right, Mike Pursuta with your sports. We're going to have Pete Levenis from Peter's Pub, 915. We we got to pay tribute, you know? Got to. End of an era there. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, take it away. You got your uh, USA sweater on? Jersey. Well. It's a jersey. In Canada, you say sweater, right? Well, that's why I say jersey. Okay. Say hockey, jersey. If it was a sweater, I'd wear it to a Christmas party. (laughs) Which, come to think of it, Some people wear their jerseys to (laughs) Christmas parties. Well, Mike, there's a lot of people who embrace uh, the purists, embrace the Canadian terminology. Yeah, I try to give the uh, that Canadian wannabeism the Heisman. <laughs> We're Americans. We can like hockey. It's okay. We don't have to assimilate too much. Thank you. Hey. And uh, what we got to do today is beat the Czechs at the World Championships. More on that in a minute. Sports this hour. 
Brought to you by Sports Clips. The Pirates line up for yesterday's day game after a night game. And with Starling Marte and Francisco Cervelli unavailable included, Max Moroff at second, David Freeze at third, Jose Osuna at first, Elias Diaz catching, and Sean Rodriguez in center field. The replacements. It was a winning nine. The Bucks uh, outlast the White Sox three to two. Pirates got just four hits, but uh, produced runs with two of them. Sean Rodriguez with uh, a two-run double in the second, and Josh Bell an RBI pinch single in the seventh. He's pretty good pinch hitting. Tremendous pinch hitting. <laughs> he's three for three this year, right? Unfortunately, he's pretty good playing every day too, and they need him more in the lineup than they do coming off the bench. Jamison Tyone uh, gets a no decision, five and two-thirds innings, gave up five hits, two homers, and two earned runs. But another small step forward for Tyone. Uh, he is still in search of his first victory since April the 8th, but uh, the Pirates get their 25th in 42 tries, 25-17. and 17. That's uh, good enough for first place in the NL Central. The Pirates are percentage points ahead of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Marte has a right oblique injury, according to Adam Berry's story on MLB.com. Marte said through his interpreter yesterday that it is definitely just a discomfort, nothing sharp, nothing crazy painful. Marte doesn't think he's going to have to go on the disabled list. Cervelli was warming up the pitchers between innings, so he's probably uh, due to return any time. Josh Harrison didn't get to continue his rehab assignment with Double A Altoona last night. Uh, the curve got rained out. That uh, matchup between the curve and the Richmond Flying Squirrels never materialized, but Harrison is scheduled to play in Altoona tonight. And uh, what a night it'll be in Altoona tonight. You know, if you're looking for something to do, Andy Van Slyke's going to be there. And it's also Thursday in Altoona. $2.16 ounce beers available. Ooh. I'd like to wash a couple of those back. Two Pir- bucks. <laughs> Pirates will be playing the Padres at PNC Park. Uh, Chad Cole gets the ball. He's 4 and 2 with a 4.17 ERA. Eric Lawler for San Diego, 1 and 2. 8.27. Lawler uh, will be making his fifth start since being promoted from AAA in late April. The Golden Knights beat the Jets 4-2 to two and have a two-games-to-one lead in the Western Conference Final. What a night it was for Jonathan Marcheseau. Marcheseau, excuse me. Marcheseau. M-A-R-C-H-E-S-S-A-U-L-T. A tongue twister. He scored 35 seconds into the game and also with 2.7 seconds left into an empty net. He becomes the first player in NHL history to score in the first and last minute of the same playoff game. Yeah, I watched the beginning of that game. He he just deked Hellebuck. Hellebuck went for the, uh, the poke check, missed it. See ya. NHL's uh, three finalists for the General Manager of the Year Award are Kevin Shoveldayoff of Winnipeg, George McPhee of Vegas, and Steve Eiserman of Tampa Bay. Eiserman and Shoveldayoff have uh, called McPhee to concede. Shoveldayoff, Shoveldayoff, and Fishman. Pitt and Penn State will uh, kick it off at 8 o'clock on ABC on September the 8th. At Heinz Field, a little uh, prime time for 
the Panthers and the Nittany Lions. Team USA plays the Czech Republic at 10-15 today in the quarterfinals of the International Ice Hockey Federation World Championship Tournament in Denmark. The U.S. is trying to medal for the first time since winning bronze in 2015. The other quarterfinal matchups, Russia against Canada at 10-15 and then a couple of games at 2-15. Sweden against Latvia and Finland against Switzerland. We talked a little bit today about uh, Mike Sullivan's posted thank you to Penguins fans and to Pittsburgh that was uh, put up yesterday on penguins.com. It, it's a long, involved, very detailed piece. It's well worth a read, but uh, it'll take you a little while to digest it. Among the things Sullivan had to say, quote, Pittsburgh is special. The city represents so many facets of what our team believes. We believe in hard work. We preach humility. We depend on each other. We take pride in our accomplishments. There's appreciation for those around us in the community. This community rallies and shows resiliency in the face of adversity. I hate losing. Sometimes I think that I hate losing more than I enjoy winning. So you can imagine now, imagine how I have felt over the last week as I've tried to digest a different type of losing, one that leaves you with an empty feeling. We'll learn from it, certainly, but I also want our guys to remember and savor all that they've accomplished. It hurts now, but when I've had a chance to sit outside my outside on my deck, cigar in one hand and a Guinness in the other, I'll absolutely appreciate what these players and coaches have achieved over the past few years. He was very moved, as the piece explains, by the reception the Penguins got in the immediate aftermath of Game 6 against the Capitals and by the support they've gotten since his arrival. That was pretty awesome. There's no doubt about it. it, You're not going to read it in 30 seconds, but if you digest it, I think you'll appreciate it. We should appreciate this time right now because it's really easy to be a good sport after you win back-to-back cups. Yes, it is. You know, this is the golden time right now. Oh, we didn't win this year. Uh, That's okay. Boy, it hurts, doesn't it? See you next year. Justify is the odds-on favorite to win Saturday's Preakness. Stakes uh, opening as a 1-2 to two favorite. Got about 100 bucks to win 50. It's a hard way to uh, make a living at the track. Derby runner-up, Good Magic, is uh, the second favorite at 3-1. to one. And uh, last but not least, uh, this uh, from the Associated Press out of Cleveland. A man who has held protests saying that the Cleveland Indians' chief Wahoo mascot is racist has pleaded guilty to stealing money from federal grants aimed at helping Native Americans. There's a twist for you. Are you you kidding me? 71-year-old Robert Roach pleaded guilty to two counts of theft from programs receiving federal funds. Prosecutors say the Cleveland man conspired to divert money from the American Indian Education Center where he has served as executive director. They say Roach and a consultant embezzled at least $180,000 from substance abuse and Mental Health Services Administration grants, and that Roach has diverted 77000 for his personal use. Sentencing is set for August the 29th. Thanks, Mike. Val, what do you got coming up? We're going to talk about the top 10 most Googled sex questions. Stan Saver next hour, and we say goodbye to Peter's Pub with Pete Levenis, owner of Peter's Pub. That'll be 9.15. It's the DVE Morning Show. And uh, Valerie. Yes. Toto. Well, we had, you know, our share of rains yesterday. Did they come from Africa? Nothing like they get in Africa. But how about what the band Toto recently did? Did you know they were out and about touring? I did not know that. Toto on tour? Toto tour. Their recent European tour, 
The band and their crew collected all the free toiletries from every hotel. So when I first read this, I was like, big deal. My dad's been doing that for 35 years. <laughs> and if you take a shower at my house, it will be with a Holiday Inn towel with the green stripe down the middle <laughs> and a tiny soap from NBC Suites. But what they did was they collected all the free toiletries. And when the tour ended in Glasgow, they donated all the stuff to a local women's charity. That's good. Oh, that's thing nice. For them to do. Now, the idea came from their merchandise manager, Scott Bradley, who's a Glasgow resident. He said the band and the crew, I'm sure he said it much more broguish. The band and the crew all thought it was a great idea, and we managed to collect a substantial amount. Uh, great idea. Yeah, because they probably have quite a, quite a crew <laughs> with the band and yeah. support staff. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of soap. Yeah. Usually bands take all the free stuff for themselves. <laughs> I, I, I When I was younger, I did a, a gig opening for Marshall Tucker, for the Marshall Tucker band. Wow. Whoa, and, that's uh, a big deal. What, what, they were hilarious. And the guy who was the lead singer, his name was Doug, I can't remember. And uh, he was totally cool. And he's like, hey, boys, what's up? And we're like, hey, man, what's up? And he's like, excuse me. And he walked over to the uh, the table where they had their uh, the rider food, you know, all the stuff. Yeah, the, yeah the backstage And he just area. picked it all up. And, like, someone had moved the cellophane back a little bit and maybe taken a piece of ham off of this tray. Mm-hmm. And he, like, sealed it back up while he's talking to us. And he's like, yeah, we did a gig in Buffalo last night. And then he just pulls the big tray up. And he's, he's like, I'll be right back. And he takes it. And he loads it onto the bus. And then he comes back down and he starts taking cases of pop <laughs> and water. And then he's just putting it on the bus. We're like, isn't that for the backstage? <laughs> he's like, hey, man, you don't last on the road as long as we have without taking all the free stuff. <laughs> I just imagine those guys. This is my <laughs> lunch meat for the week. <laughs> but, oh, my. You know, they didn't uh, donate it. They used it for themselves. You know, well, the, someone else might have had to donate to them if. Charity. This effing charity. Right here, <laughs> Pally. But- I always wondered, like, with those soaps, do they just come with some kind of utensil, like a turkey baster, where they just put the thing back in the bottles? They don't re- replace it every time for every person that stays some there, of them, do they? Yeah, some of them do. I hate the trend of using, uh, they give you body wash instead of soap. Yeah, I don't like that either. Yeah, it's nasty. I don't know why. Body wash. Doesn't suds up as good. It doesn't suds Especially up on a- it's like... Oh, especially on a washcloth. Right. Give me an old-fashioned soap. Now, the, And everything says face soap, and I'm like, oh, I can't use that. Right. It's it's for my face. And what's the difference? I need to put it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> That's for my face. I bring my own soap. You BYOS? Oh, yeah. It's a good idea. For sure. Do you really? Oh, yeah. And you do your own you shampoo? you get a full bar. I have like one of those travel packs where I have my own soap, shampoo, and I go to get those travel bottles at like the Giant Eagle in those bins. Yeah. The yeah. empty ones. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I like I the do surprise that shampoo. of wondering whether or not I'm going to go into a hotel and uh, the shampoo is going to give me like that Seinfeld hair. Like <laughs> yeah, the way I, down. I don't like, want to risk it. Limp. Yeah. You never know. Some people, you know, some hotels have the good stuff. Some yeah. don't. Yeah. I went to one. It smelled so good. I couldn't resist using it. <laughs> like, oh, this Body lotion and shampoo smells so good. Well, next time you can collect it all like Toto did and then have a donation yeah. uh, at the end of your trip. I kid you not, my the, the, like, the closet in the middle of our upstairs hallway is full of hotel soaps and shampoos to an embarrassing extent. I'm not kidding. I mean, I'm talking decades old. When Peter's <laughs> Pub first opened, my dad started collecting that stuff. 
Next time you're up there, will you will you snap a pic of it for us? I think I have one somewhere. I mean, he had it's, and he thinks it's like the like greatest thing in the world. Well, if he has guests for an overnight, then they have their choice of. Here's my treasure chest. But it feels less like him being uh, hospitable. Well, no, like uh, you know, uh, not thrifty, but like being resourceful, and more like he's a step away from being one of those houses where the collar bomber <laughs> crew hung out, it's hoarding hotel yeah, soaps. Right, you know, like yeah, there's a bunch of hotel soaps and towels over there. You have to step over all of those old computer cartridges, and <laughs> lever teeth, two thousand sorts of pile, some old beanbag chairs. You might have to move around to get back there. Speaking of Evil Genius, the documentary on Netflix, and we replayed the Jerry Clark interview earlier this morning, and everybody uh, is commenting how much he looks like Tunch Ilkin. He really does. <laughs> he does. Okay, yeah. FBI agent Jerry Clark looks a lot like uh, like Tunch. But so many questions. It's endless questions. I still have. I wish we could have Jerry Clark on the show like three more times. He probably would do it. But he shed light on a lot of things. If you've seen Evil Genius now, they left a lot out of that documentary. A lot. Some critical things. In particular, they leave you hanging as to the complicitness of the other pizza guy. Mm -hmm. Who died the week of the bombing. There's no question that guy was involved, but the documentary doesn't really even go there. Well, the Jerry said that they have him at the tower site. The day before. Right. Which they don't say on the documentary, no. right? They say he was... No, wait a minute. They said he was there the day before. He was... They didn't say he was there when they put the collar on him. Right. So and I... that's what he said. Madden was on the show yesterday talking about this, and there was a movie with Danny McBride and... Um, the... Jesse Jesse, Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guarantee you they're going to make a movie out of this now. I hope it's not a like, lifetime. It's a little more. No, no. I th- I I want it to be like give it the Itania treatment. Oh, like dark comedy. Yeah, because there's so many characters, like that Rothstein guy. What a banana he was! Imagine saying to an FBI agent when you're trying to maintain innocence, "I just want to let you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the smartest guy in the room right now." If the guy who says that to me is wearing bib overalls, I'm going to be like, I beg to disagree. Listen, Uncle Jesse, I'll I'll determine who's the smartest guy here. I want to watch it again. Yeah, me too. I'm going to have to go through it. I almost started yesterday. But then I, uh, like I said, it'll just bring up more questions. And you despair for humanity when you watch these things because you feel bad for people who live on the fringes. Yeah. Like a guy like Cocaine Ken in that documentary who who uh, arrives at the uh, uh, opinion of life in jail way better <laughs> than, life. than life out of jail. Free. Like he thinks jail is the greatest thing ever. Mainly because of the restricted cocaine access. Because, right. uh, you know, Cocaine Ken did a lot of cocaine. Right. And, That's why they call him this Cocaine is, Ken. It's been quite the health regimen for Ken. Tip-top shape. N- good conversation. I was waiting for him to say it's great except for all the prison rapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? right. Except for having to avoid uh, <laughs> sex. Uh, that, that all the pillow biting I've been doing <laughs> is uh, kept my teeth strong. That but, the, uh, they asked Charles Manson like his second year in prison. You know, they, Somebody asked him, how do you like prison life? Expecting, you know, 
to hear how miserable it was. And he's like, it's great. Best sex I ever had. <laughs> Everyone's like, God. Everyone throws up in their mouth a little uh, bit. <laughs> who would play Marjorie Deal Armstrong, though, in the movie? The chick who played Roseanne. Monster. Roseanne. Charlize Theron. Roseanne kind of is Marjorie Deal right now. Uh, She's not much different than Marjorie Deal Armstrong. Charlize Theron? Yeah. No. No. Bring it. She's already done that role. Kind of. She's already be. done Monster. Kathy Bates is a little too old. Yeah, she'd be good. Who is the, um, oh, God, who's the um, Peggy from Married with Children? Oh, The yeah. chick from uh, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of yeah. Anarchy. Kate, Katie Seagal. That's it. She could do it. <laughs> She'd be all right. Yeah, Put maybe. She was pretty evil suit, in Sons of Anarchy. Shave her eyebrows off. I think Brian Posehn should play Rothstein. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Either him or John Dick Winters. <laughs> On the way for you, 915, we'll talk with Peter Levenis. Peter's pub closing in Oakland after 44 years, an institution. And it comes to an end next Friday. Stan Savern talking sports. And Val has news when we come back. We're going to talk about the 10 most Googled sex questions. There's Central 11. So much rain. Stop it. Yeah, Make I don't, I don't even know when it's going to end. It's in the forecast for the foreseeable future, I think. 67 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by BobbyRayHall.com. Drivers, beware. PennDOT is enforcing speed limits in construction zones. Troopers will be parked in some areas to make sure drivers are obeying that 45-mile-per-hour speed limit in construction zones on interstates. In areas where troopers are not monitoring, construction workers will be able to report anyone seen speeding. They'll be able to fill out vehicle descriptions, time, day, direction of travel, and license plate numbers, which if you don't have a license plate number... I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, there's a brown four-door car blasting through here. Right. Last year, forms did lead, though, to several successful prosecutions. The fines are doubled if caught speeding in a construction zone. The Vatican thinks nuns need to cool it with the tweeting. Catholic Church has issued new guidelines for social media when it comes to the sisters who are supposed to be living cloistered lives of quiet contemplation. <laughs> They're worried about the distraction from so much social media that permeates modern life. The Vatican says social media used for information or work is A-OK as long as the nuns are using discretion. Yeah, that's the wrong habit if you're a <laughs> nun. Twitter is not what they mean. Uh, sexual activity doesn't seem to prevent memory loss in older people. I'm not sure if somebody was using that as a ruse to get laid or what, but a study in Australia of thousands of people over the age of 50 shows sexual activity and emotionally close relationships don't have a significant effect on memory loss from aging. That is not the case, though, with other lifestyle factors like physical activity, smoking and drinking habits, and education levels. If you are someone who always works through your lunch break, you should stop doing that. According to, according to the Daily Mail, there are five reasons you should step away from your desk for lunch more often. It helps you concentrate, actually. Too much exposure to the same type of stimulus like a computer screen makes your brain get used to what it's seeing, so you're more likely to overlook important details. Oh, yeah. It also protects your eyesight. Staring at a screen too much can cause your eyes to dry out and cause eye strain. I, my eyes are dry in here all the time. Dry eye. Yeah. Chronic dry eye. Uh, it might help you sleep better, too. One study found even just a 15-minute break helps because you need a break from the blue light your computer gives off. 
And it can help you slim down. Researchers found people who ate at their desks have waists on average an inch larger. That's just a depressing feeling when you get done eating and you're still sitting in the <laughs> same place you were when you started. And you're like, I guess I'll just keep going. And you feel like a <laughs> schlub. Ugh. Plus, I would Dude, imagine- I eat laying down almost, <laughs> almost every that. meal. Really? Oh, yeah. Laying down? Oh, yeah. Off my chest. I had a dog oh, that did God. that. Oh, my God. Like a real slob. Like an otter. Really? I mean, yeah. I can't do that. I'd get, uh, I'd get to GERD if I did that. Yeah, that's no good. You, you won't be able to do that in about 10 more years. Because that's what um, I want to do after I eat anyways. You just save a just, step. Just want to be you know, hanging out where you... Yeah, I got you. Get to the point. Get and to the point. Uh, they the say point. it helps your mood, too. People who take lunch breaks have a 30% lower risk of depression. The best way to do it is, I think, if you eat on the treadmill. That's <laughs> That's the most healthy. A little sloppy, but work it off really. as it's going in. I, I think it's just good to leave work. Clear your head a little. Anytime you can leave work. Yeah. Val eats stinky beef at her desk. Oh, uh, dude! When I walked in well, here this morning, those eggs are so farty. Okay, that you do eat. you want me to spray the air freshener? Because I will. I'm not opposed to Look it. At that. But she I'm a, has it in her hand I'm right afraid now. She just came out in. of that like it was, dude. You're like, <laughs> I thought that you was just, mace. You drew that like a gun. <laughs> I'm afraid <laughs> then you'll be pissed about that smell. What does that smell? It's like? mistletoe. It smells good. You want to get me to squirt? Let's get my... <laughs> Could you not say squirt when you're what? talking about it, that stuff? Just strong. say spray. You got to let it air out a little. It's too strong. <laughs> He's allergic to See, it. See, it's too strong. You got to let. <laughs> His eye is swelling shut. <laughs> yeah, wow, what have you done? You have to let it air out a little. Are you sure that wasn't your mace? <laughs> Hold on, I'll See? fart over there. What's right? Bill, come over and give it a whiff. Oh, dude, don't. Can you smell it's, it? Yeah, it's... Uh, can you smell it? Just... No, I can't. No? Oh, stop okay. waving it, dude. I'm, like, breathing it. <laughs> See? I'm you called it. it. You called it. See? So I He's don't... He's going to complain about that. There's no winning. I guess I could spray it some lemon pledge or something. Oh, yeah, what about just some now Febreze? It smells like a Jiffy Lube in here now. They use that like <laughs> fake like air freshener stuff. Oh, <laughs> stick with your farty eggs. <laughs> oh, that is brutal. Is there a farty egg spray you could oh, bring? Right. <laughs> Maybe it's like multiple negative Wait numbers. This is like one of those. This is like getting minutes. into an Uber where a guy puts ten <laughs> air fresheners on his on his uh, rearview mirror to make up for like all the smoking he does in his car. Right. The dead hooker in his trunk. Oh. <laughs> That's uh, gross, dude. See, it's I, I don't know what's worse. Why are my choices farty eggs or uh, like acrid <laughs> whatever that is? Pine tree air freshener. I don't know. That's all I've got. Oh my gosh, yeah, that smells like one of those potpourri baskets. You don't like it? I don't mind it. <laughs> From oh, a distance. But I think if I spray it early enough, it you will just... right into the cloud. <laughs> As you yeah. sprayed it, it hadn't even settled yet. Uh, Ugh. Well, a lot of people have gotten tattoos they regret, but one mother in Sweden uh, found an unusual, surprising way to deal with hers. The... 30-year-old proud mom of two boys went to a studio three years ago to have her son's names tattooed on her arm. Her son's names were Nova and Kevin. She realized later, though, that Kevin's name was misspelled and read Kelvin. She broke down in tears. (laughs) Uh, She went back to the tattoo studio to complain, but was only given a refund and a phone number of somebody who could remove it. But 
She realized how painful and costly that would be, so she left the tattoo and instead legally changed her son's name to Kelvin. <laughs> I was going to say that as a joke. That is... Oh, my God. What happened? That's easier. Wow. Mother also recently had a daughter. She says she does intend to get her name tattooed on her arm as well, but this time she makes sure she's going to make sure that it's spelled correctly first. Imagine caring so little about the kid's name. You just change it. That's got to give the kid a complex. no time on it. Mm. How old was the kid? Do we know? Five. Five. Oh, that's no good. That's too late. I mean, it kind of sounds like Kevin. Kelvin. You just say- I don't like changing a dog's name when you adopt it. Really? No. Did you always keep your dog's names? Jules, when I adopted her, her name was Juliet, and I was like, I cannot oh, have a dog named close. Juliet, so I just I figured Jules was a... But it might have kept me from adopting the dog. What do you mean? If like, it has a horrible name that you can't change, oh, like... we changed our dog's names. That's uh, just... Riley I mean, was Goldie, and Gino was either Roscoe or Bosco. I can't remember. I think it was Bosco. I don't think either of those are bad. Which, wasn't that the dog's name in um, One Crazy Summer, Bosco? Oh, man. I think, I I think, I think so, yeah. Or it was a character in the movie. But have you ever called your dogs by their old name? No. Oh, dude, you have to do it. Yeah, no. you have to. Just to have that look in their eye, like, <laughs> how did you know? But they have nicknames. Did, you have, did your dogs have nicknames? Yeah, like, I mean, short, you shorten their name. Oh, no. See, Riley's nickname is Stinky, and she, oh. she answers to that. Too. And I have a niece named that Stank, <laughs> yeah. and I think Gino's just Buddy. Hey, Buddy. Yeah, see that works just fine. But I I feel like uh, you got to stay somewhere within their original name. No. Can you imagine if I had a dog named Juliet though? That would just be so bad. <laughs> this is my dog Juliet. Oh, what's wrong with you? I'm, oh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a crazy person. I'm Romeo. <laughs> I'm calling the cops. <laughs> well, sex can be great, but it can create confusion and raise questions that you might not want to ask someone else. So who do you ask? Google. What are the top 10 most Googled sex questions? Number one. I'm imagining this doesn't happen like right before. Like, oh, hold up a second. Let me Google something. As you're disrobing. Herpes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is one of the questions. How, how, can you get rid of herpes? <laughs> I, I've got some bad news <laughs> for you. <laughs> you. Just find a way to live with it. Uh, get, go get that Valtrex. Right. Go skiing. Go diving riding. off a of boat. Bike riding. Yeah, you yeah. become very active. The good news is you, you get Canoeing. very active. Yeah, you have lots of spare time to do that <laughs> stuff. Look when you're not screwing. <laughs> Except during an outbreak. You're going to have to sit that, that, that out. Sit that you know, one you out. You can't get greedy. Where's the G spot? Number one most Googled question. Did they tell you? <laughs> how to make a woman. I got a, a Goonies woman, map. I'll, I'll, I'll loan you later. How to make a woman. That's what G stands One-eyed for. Willie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> got to get to the treasure. Well, I hadn't the thought of that. Cyclops. That might be one big uh, metaphor. Yeah. The Goonies. You going in the cave. You should mm-hmm. break that down. One-eyed Willie. I'm sure there is. There's probably It's probably one big sexual metaphor. <laughs> how to make a woman arrive. You, you Google that? Yeah. Oh, man. How to get rid of genital warts. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, uh, again, some bad news. That last question, you can just forget about it if you're worried about the, the genital warts one. <laughs> I think, uh, I don't know if that's something you want to DIY. You know, you might want to 
Go get professional help on that one. Yeah, that's not a compound W situation. <laughs> what is the clap? <laughs> How to get a bigger... By the pe- way, the clap is generally uh, regarded as gonorrhea. Yes. And right now, gonorrhea has turned into a super bug. Oh, wait. I mm-hmm. thought it was chlamydia. No, gonorrhea. No. Well, I think maybe it's either right. It was always kind of like a uh, a catch-all phrase, you know? It's gonorrhea. Is it? Well, then what's chlamydia? Why do they call it the clap? I don't know. Were people like, it was <laughs> the doctor? It's, it's a nickname. Congratulations. <laughs> you have gonorrhea. Congratulations. Um, let's see. How to get a bigger penis manually? <laughs> manually. Um, why would you manually. Google that question? How to measure a penis? Manually. <laughs> Ask that guy in the bathroom at Iowa State. Yeah. <laughs> How You're the ruler. Yeah. <laughs> How old do you have to be to buy condoms? How, now the ne- I'm paraphrasing the next one. How to have sex manually, <laughs> and how long does sex last? Asking for a friend. <laughs> what so is the, the acceptable top. time that I can try to get to? Those are the most asked sex questions. Interesting to Google. It is uh, Google. scary how naive people are. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't say the age of the people who are asking these That's questions. So, Finally, Beatles fans are being offered the chance to own a part of Strawberry Field. John Lennon's half-sister, Julia Baird, is spearheading the campaign. Strawberry Field was a Salvation Army children's home that was immortalized in the 1967 track Strawberry Fields Forever. It was demolished in the 70s, but bricks from it are being sold for approximately 100 bucks each. Those funds collected will be used for a new support hub and visitor experience to be built on the site. Each brick comes in a presentation box with a limited edition number and an embossed hologram. Bricks can be purchased at Strawberry, the Strawberry Field website. Forecast today, showers and thunderstorms, possible temperatures in the upper 70s. It's 67 at DVE. It is the DVE morning show, and we've got Stan Saver coming up at 945. But uh, joining us right now to commemorate the end of an era, how many times did you go over to Pitt campus for an event and you say, all right, meet you at Peter's? Or you went to Pitt and you just lived in that place? Well, after 44 years, Peter's Pub is going to close after, well, uh, yeah, four-plus decades of serving beers to pit students and alumni and professors and uh, mm-hmm. university employees and anybody going through Oakland. And joining us right now is the owner, Peter Levenis from Peter's Pub. Peter, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. First of all, I just want to say congratulations on 44 years of operating business in a college town. That is not an easy feat. No, it's not. I mean, how many bars have come and go since you guys have opened? Uh, quite a few, probably maybe a dozen, half a dozen. So, quite a few. so now forty-four years. Uh, like, do you, can do you want to talk about why you're closing? Have you just had enough? I had enough. I got to the point where I just um, had my fill. It wasn't fun anymore, and I thought I spent more time babysitting than than operating the place. Right, more time. Hmm. Try to get the right people in the right positions, and, uh, and just I just got tired. Got to the point where I didn't want to go to work anymore. See, that's no good. Yeah, and I understand. Forty-four years. God bless you. Doing anything for forty-four years, much less yeah. babysitting a bunch of college kids who were your your patrons and your employees. <laughs> right. So, what uh, like when you think of Peter's Pub? What are, what are some of your most fond memories 
uh, of operating there. I, I can imagine some of the big names that have been through that pub as regulars through the years. I think the fondest memory when they were national champions in mm-hmm. 1976. Yeah. That, the guys were probably one of the greatest groups that I've encountered. Uh, they had a lot of respect for the place. They treated us good. We treated them good. Uh, they loved Peters just as much as we did. Uh, the Plucy boys, the Corbett's, the Dorsett's, uh, uh, all the, the whole team at that time. And they were like a family that was, and that was my most memorable time. I Bill bet- Hillgrove uh, came there. It was, just a, it was a great day. How I would imagine that they sort of treated that with Reverend Sue and were very protective of Peters and its legacy. They were very protective. They, they treated it like it was their own place. Now, how many times uh, did you see like uh, professors just hanging out, knocking back beers during the day? Uh, forever they came <laughs> in there. In fact, when we made the movie there. Um, Wonder Boys. Co- concussions. Oh, concussion. We made concussions there, and the professor came in. They had an option between two places, one on Southside and one in Oakland. And they picked our place because it was larger. We had an upstairs for the, the movie staff to go upstairs and hang out where they were filming everything. Yeah. And, uh, and it tur- they did it for three days, and uh, it turned out great. You know. So many people have Peter's Pub to them and their, their Oakland experience, whether they went to school there or they just spent a lot of time there. There's an emotional attachment. To a, to a bar like that. And that that's a rare thing. When did you start to notice that students were uh, developing an emotional attachment to your establishment and alumni would come back, and to them that was as important of a stop as any other on campus? Well, when I started noticing that, was when the second generation started coming in, uh-huh. the people that graduated, their kids started coming in. Yeah. And then I had the third generations. They were kids. They were little kids at the time, but they are now. But I noticed that People came in and they wanted to come through the place and see where their father went to school and where they hung out at. And, uh, and uh, I realized that it was quite a legacy that we had there. And uh, they, they, they loved it. You know, that, that, that group of people that from the time they, we opened up to the time we closed down were, uh, are still probably loyal customers. And, and they had memorable times there. What is a lot, of mar- a lot of marriages out of there? Yeah. <laughs> Think how many kids you produced in Peter's Pub. Oh, <laughs> uh, probably. I, I couldn't. I couldn't really tell you. <laughs> a lot of them. Though. Yeah. Maybe a few conceived there as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it's um, it's been wonderful. It really has. What's going to be your favorite thing? What like what what's what are you most looking forward to not have to do anymore as a bar owner? Um, probably not going to the kitchen and cooking and and worrying about who's going to show up for work. You know? <laughs> Did kids get less reliable through the years? They are. They're they've got to the point where they don't want to do that kind of work anymore. It's got the industry has gone to the point where it's demanding for for um they they what they do is they'll come in for a job interview and they'll they help show up on Monday and they don't show up. Yeah, uh, it's it's hard finding people because there's so many. Hey, George, are you playing <laughs> We uh, it's gone to the point where they. It's hard to find help. The yeah. industry's gone to the point where it's exploding. Restaurants are open up all over the place. And, and it's hard to find help. You know, isn't it? Yeah. The boom with restaurants. 
How how different is Oakland, and do you think it's different for the better? Oh, uh, the transition's tremendous between the academics um, and uh, the sports. Uh, when Nuremberg was there, he made an academic university out of it, mm-hmm. and apparently the sports part of it fell back. And uh, changing the stadium, moving the stadium out of there, I think is a big minus. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever have another national championship as long as the stadium's off campus. Yeah, it, it created a different kind of culture, you know. Right. When kids came to the pit, they saw the stadium. They wanted to be a part of that. The athletes now have to go down south side, have to go to the game in north side. It's not conducive for them. It's hard for them. Come out of class and go to a class and, and uh, go to practice, and it's difficult. Yeah, it's a lot so, to ask. It's a lot to ask for a student athlete, you know, and uh, that atmosphere is not there. I mean, football games, Oakland was buzzing. People loved Oakland football games. I loved they'd walking up the hill. Oh, yeah, that was great. Cardiac they'd, Hill. They come on Friday, from Thursday to Friday. We were, we were busy all the time. They made a weekend of it. Yeah. It was affordable for them. Now you go down to the stadium, it's, it's expensive for them. So that transition was the whole university's transition. It's still changing. And, um, and that, I'm kind of old school. And I'm not with computer savvy, and it's tough for me to relate to all this. So I, it's better I get out and I pay my dues and uh, had a wonderful run of it. Wonderful memories, all the birthday parties we have there for kids. They come in with their horns and that. I don't know how many birthday parties we have in a week. Mm-hmm. But that's a memorable time for them when they turn 21. They put the horns on. Oh, yeah, man. Um, the, the athletes still come in. Dorset comes in occasionally. Does he really? Oh, Tony first. D still stops back. Oh, he comes up. Yeah, sure he does. He's been here about about three years ago. He came in two years ago. He's just uh, he's having a tough time, but all those guys come yeah. back. You know, Marino. Yeah, Marino comes in occasionally. Uh, uh, Franco Harris has been there. Who have all those? Uh, Roethlisberg. What about Goose? Oh, the Goose. That's my man. <laughs> uh, I love the Goose. Uh, I love the Goose. He comes in there and he. He buys a whole bar of drink. Oh, I know he does. He's... As soon as he walks in, and he's just, he was great. He was a great customer. And, and um, Freilich, those guys are tremendous. I mean, you don't get that anymore with athletes. What's the and biggest, I, I wanted to ask you what the biggest party was you've had there in the last 20 years because somebody tweeted us a picture of uh, Peter's Pub shirt. 25 years and still going strong, the end of an era for the last Pitt Stadium game in in November uh, of 99. Was that was that a pretty rocking night? That was Notre Dame, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, it was crazy. It was absolutely insane. We we just couldn't keep up with everything. I mean, the bears were coming, bear trucks were coming in. <laughs> it was just, Notre Dame fans are partiers anyways. You know, the Irish, you know, <laughs> it was just, that was, the streets were filled. I mean, it was just tremendous. It was a sad day for the University of Pittsburgh and for us too. You know. So was, you have sold the business. It is gonna. It's gonna remain open under a, a different name. I, I think, from my understanding, could remain as Peters. I would recommend them to do that because the legacy that we have there. Well, and, did you sell the name to them, or are you just gonna give it to them? I gave them the name. What it was in concluding with the deal we oh, made. Okay. Uh, but I was, you know, I, I wasn't. I had a lot of offers to buy the business, but some people didn't have experience, and I wasn't going to sell it to just anybody. I made sure that somebody was in the restaurant business that understood the business, knew how to run the business, and uh, and could afford to keep it going. 
remodel and stuff like that. Yeah. That wasn't, I, you know, I probably could have sold it for more when I did sell it. But I don't want to turn around in three years and take it over. Yeah. That's what, happens. That's what happens to a lot of people. They come in there. Everyone's on a bar. I love the industry. I want to own a bar. But they don't realize the work that goes behind a bar. Uh, oh, yeah. It's not as much fun as uh, it may seem. It's a lot fun. Of- you can make it fun. You know, you got to be, you know, but you, there's a time when the work and time to have to enjoy yourself. And I had a lot of relationship with my employees, but they knew that I was the boss and I expected so much from them. And they all made money. They all had a good time. I think over 45 years or 40, I may, I may have fired one person. One. Well, not to mention how many other people, uh, you know, you've inspired other guys that work for you to open their own bars. I did. And you know what? A lot of kids took our work ethics to them when they went out of school and they come of, back and tell me that. Yeah. Lot 17, right? Yeah. Lot set my son along, my son over there. They opened another place that time called the court, uh, called the uh, Forbes Tavern. Yeah. Like my PFT, they haven't opened that up in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, we're a working family. Our, our generation is, uh, is um, we all work. You know, we show up for work. That's one of the keys. Well, you did it for 44 years, Peter. Congrats to you. Say hi to Johnny for me, and best of luck going forward, and thanks for 44 years of uh, slinging beers at us in Oakland. We appreciate it. You got it, it man. Thanks Okay, buddy. We'll see you. That's uh, an institution. So, all right, good. Maybe it'll stay at Peter's Pub, and they'll keep the legacy alive. I didn't realize that was, you know, from everything I read, I didn't understand that to be the case. That's great news, and I like the fact that he sold it to somebody. You know, he could have sold it to anybody, but he... Sold it to someone who we knew would keep the tradition going. So that's great news. I'd have charged extra for the name. <laughs> Me too. I would have nailed him for that. The place is uh, legendary. All right. When we come back, Mike Pursuta, Stan Savern, D- DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Went a little over with Peter there, but, you know, after 44 years. You gotta, oh, well worth it. Yeah. Got to give him a few minutes. Nothing like your college bar. Die. Your hang. No doubt. And it's so sad when that place goes away. Special kind of drunk that you get there. That's where the memories are, baby. <laughs> no doubt about it. A nostalgic drunk. And it doesn't matter. tastes how, different. doesn't matter how old you are. If that place is still there, you go back. You're right at home. Yep. You're with friends or family or whoever, and you just have the time of your life. I 100% agree. Yeah. Boy, I got yes. absolutely hammered in there one night. Hammered. Oh, I, yeah. A meal. Oh. I, I, I used to play there back in the day, and they started having bands. In the, in the 90s, and it was awesome. And I loved uh, in that interview when he talked about uh, the big shots that came in, he said Dorset. Yep. Not Dorset. Dorset. Because if you're from Beaver Dorset. County or you were at Pitt in that time, it was Dorset. Dorset. And it stays Dorset. One of those things. Uh, Sports this hour brought to you by Caseta by Lutron. Smart lighting controls. Chad Cool gets the ball for the Pirates tonight against San Diego. Four and two with a four point one seven ERA. He'll be opposed by rookie Eric Lauer, one and two and an eight point two seven ERA through four starts. Lauer actually had one good performance uh, against the Dodgers on May the sixth. He threw six shutout innings, but in his other three efforts, he has been hit around considerably. Pirates improved to twenty five and seventeen yesterday afternoon with a three to two victory. Over the White Sox, they did not have Starling Marte or Francisco Cervelli in the lineup. Cervelli warmed up the pitchers between innings. Marte, uh, according to Adam Barry of MLB.com, said through his interpreter that his right oblique injury uh, doesn't involve any sharp pain, as Marte put it, quote, nothing crazy. 
Uh, it's just discomfort. Marte doesn't think he's going to have to go on the disabled list. So that's encouraging. And uh, Serpico in center field yesterday. John Rod. Vegas beat Winnipeg 4-2 to two in the Western Conference Final last night in Vegas. It was a 1-1 tie early in the second period, but James Neal's fourth of the season, re- fourth of the postseason, I should say, reestablished the lead for Vegas, and the Golden Knights never looked back. Caps and Lightning get back at it tonight. The NHL's three finalists for the General Manager of the Year Award, award are Winnipeg's Kevin Dayoff, George McPhee of Vegas, and Steve Eiserman of Tampa. George McPhee of Vegas has an expansion team knocking on the door to the Stanley Cup Final. Yeah. That seems to be an award-worthy he effort wins. on his part. Oh, my God. I mean, most GMs are applauded for making a couple moves. He had to make all of the moves. All the right moves. should make a movie called that. Oh, wait. <laughs> they already did. Pitt and Penn State are going to play September the 8th uh, at 8 p.m. at Heinz Field, and that's going to be an ABC Saturday night football game of the week. Uh, Team USA and the Czech Republic meet at 10-15 today in the quarterfinals of the International Ice Hockey Federation World Championship. The uh, semifinals will be Saturday, and the bronze and gold medal games will be on Sunday. The U.S. trying to get its first medal since a bronze in 2015. And if you haven't gotten the Mike Sullivan's posted thank you to the city of Pittsburgh and Penguins fans yet, uh, the one that was posted on penguins.com yesterday, do yourself a favor and uh, check it out. It's going to take you a couple of minutes, but Sullivan, speaking from the heart, says, uh, among other things, in reaction to the ovation the team received after being eliminated in overtime by the Capitals, quote, the class you displayed on May 7 will stick with us forever. I was thrilled for our players at your outpouring of support. I couldn't help but take a minute to soak it in myself. It was an unbelievable way to transition from fresh disappointment to overall pride. And we're so grateful that we made you proud. We fell short of our team goal, but it helped in that moment to know our fans appreciated what we had already achieved. The final moments of the season told me a lot about Pittsburgh. On behalf of the entire Penguins organization, I want to thank you for once again being the greatest fans in hockey. We can't wait to see you in September. 120 days, just over 17 weeks. It seems long, but the echo of your cheers will be loud enough for me to hear until we meet again. Stay gold, Pony Boy. Oh, man, yeah, I thought it was a bit awesome. tad lit, bit dramatic, but well, he's he is a tad bit dramatic. I'm all right with it, but I'm pretty sure reading this, having listened to him as much as I have the last three seasons, it it is Sullivan and not somebody ghostwriting for him and then just putting his name and face on. I just it. want to know how many Guinnesses he had before he wrote it. Well, <laughs> maybe a couple, but the the tell is that one of the paragraphs begins with. Moving forward. All right. It, that's how you know it's him. That's pure Sullivan. Moving forward. No, it's it's like a hell it. of a piece. You, you see this kind of thing from time to time. I know. It's cool. This one is seems particularly from the heart and detailed, which kind of that's who Mike Sullivan is. Right, Stan? It's the first playoff series the guy's lost, you know? He's got to write a Federalist paper about it. Well, I was just going to say, you know, if uh, – if you don't make the playoffs, you don't write one of those, you know? <laughs> you got sleek into the offseason. Yeah. The uh, 180 degrees from that would be the Lee Ilya rant. <laughs> Boo, my effing players? <laughs> that's, that's the all-time greatest. 
I wish we had a copy of that bleeped. I don't know. We might. 85% of the country has a job. The other 15% come to our game. <laughs> I typed it in the old search engine here to see if something comes back. Nothing. No. We don't have it edited. I know back in the day we had it. Bob McLaughlin had it edited up. That's one of the all-time great rants. Stan, when we come back, we're going to talk manager rants. The greatest all time. Stan Saverin, DVE. Yeah, it's the DVE Morning Show. And joining us right now, the Godfather, Stan Saverin. Stanley, good morning. How are you? Morning, everyone. I got to ask. We were just going over, uh, we were listening to some uh, manager tirades on uh, on the commercial break there. And uh, boy, Earl Weaver, you know, he, he definitely had some legendary ones. We were just listening to this one he has with Bill Haller, which is incredibly funny. But we've also listened to the Jim Leland, Barry Bonds throwdown. From spring training in 91, I yeah, believe. Yeah, spring that, training. That I was, was there. Uh, yeah. And witnessed the whole thing, caught it on tape, and you know all that kind of stuff. And, and the funny thing about that was it all began, uh, it all began, Bonds was ripping on the PR guy, Jim Lachima, uh, because they were taking photos, and Bonds brought his own personal photographer out there. <laughs> um, he did. And it was having publicity shots, you know, for whatever reason. Um, and... The assembled still photographers from the papers and the TV stations were taking video of Bonds getting his picture taken. And Bonds came over and told all the camera guys to get out of his face, get back. And they were standing behind where they were supposed to stand. So the PR guy, Jim, came over and said, hey, Barry, they're allowed to be here. He then went off on Lachima. So he came in to practice that day uh, with a bug up his rear end. Then he's, But this is what set Leland off. Bonds started ripping on Bill Verdon, who was a coach. Yes. And that's when Leland had enough. He was defending his coach, his coaching staff, and he went into Bonds and said some things that I can't repeat. <laughs> and the, the best part was, mad as Jim was, and he could get really mad, ask any wall at Three Rivers Stadium where they're still scraping potato salad off of it. <laughs> he was great at throwing post-game spreads against the wall when he was mad. Might have been for effect, but he was great at that. Yeah. I loved it. About three hours after practice was over, they arranged hastily a press conference so... Leland could explain what happened and you know how he you know, bonds and all that other stuff. And the press conference, a little tiny room, Pirate City, not refurbished like it is now. A little tiny room, it's hot. Leland starts talking about it, and he starts out fairly calm for, uh, you know. Um, and the more he talked, the madder he got. <laughs> and he got much madder than he ever did during the confrontation with Bonds. And by the end of it, he was at, he was just a raving lunatic. It was wow, great. Everybody so loved up. it. Huh? Absolutely. Just <laughs> the more he thought about it, the more he talked about it. It was like you get drunk and then you drink a bunch of water, and it kind of reactivates everything. <laughs> um, and it was just gasoline on a, on a raging fire. Uh, the great rants we played it in here. The Tom Lasorda rant. Yeah. Dave Kingman, I guess, who had been with the Mets or maybe it was the Cubs then hit three home runs against the Dodgers, and some guy said, what's your assessment of Dave Kingman's performance, Lasorda? And he went, that, that's the greatest, uh, in my opinion. But uh, doesn't it seem to be that baseball lends itself to these tirades more than any, uh, any other sport? There's the Michael Terrian uh, legendary rant on the Penguins post-practice. I think they're soft. I mean, Which that, was was after, totally, that was after a game. That was after a game. Was after a game. And by the way, it was totally premeditated. 
Because right. he said to some members of the PR staff, watch this. Watch this. And he, he was getting his team's attention because watch they weren't this. very good, obviously, when he right. took over uh, for Edzo. Baseball, because, first of all, baseball is the only sport where you're actually allowed to argue at length yeah. with an official. You can't do that in the NFL. And, you know, plus, there's so many different plays. You know, in baseball, I mean, there's, you know, a thousand, you know, there's 250 pitches a game. So there's all different kinds of opportunities. Uh, Michael, remember this, Hal McRae, when he managed the Kansas City Royals. Oh, is this the one where he ripped the phone, like, out of the wall? Ripped the phone out of the wall and then threw an ashtray (laughs) across the room and hit a reporter in the neck and cut him. Oh man! Ooh. Yeah! Wow! So there was a big deal about that. I remember. That. I was at. Remember that? I was at the uh, the game when Lloyd McClendon took picked the, up the b- took the base. Yeah, that oh, was that was. Yeah, I was, right. couldn't think of his name. I was trying to come up with that one. He picked up the base and left. Legendary Lloyd. Oh, that was so epic. That <laughs> <laughs> was great. Earl Weaver, Billy Martin, uh, Lasorda. Oh, Billy Martin. Billy Martin was one of the all time great. He looked yeah. like he was going to just start like throwing punches. Earl Weaver did too, though. And it's so funny the way that they get under each other's nerves, the things they say, and they repeat things over and over and over. There's an art to screaming at an umpire. And it involves repetition. (laughs) I would say baseball lends itself most readily to the in-game breakdowns. NFL, it's usually after the game. Dennis Green, Jim Mora. I'm a man. Because OSU. Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy. Uh, I'm 40. Talk about me. They are allowed to do that. And you can and plus you have four umpires you can argue with. Uh, you'll see, you know, an NFL coach call a guy over. You see Mike Sullivan do it. Hey, I want an explanation. And they get mad, but there's, you know, there's only so much. And also, <clears throat> it strikes me that baseball umpires over the years have gotten much more confrontational. It used to be that you know you, they let you argue, but then when they walked away, that was it. But now umpires will actually go after players and managers. They'll turn back and continue the argument. And that's not the way it's supposed to work. And the one thing Earl Weaver did, two things that were revolutionary. When he would go up and argue with an umpire, if you check video, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he would turn his hat backwards right. so that the bill wouldn't touch the guy because he got right in their face. <laughs> <laughs> and Weaver also, to my mind, so great. Not only was the first to get ever get a manager to get ever get thrown out of a World Series game, he was the very first to have done that. Yeah. <clears throat> he mastered the art of kicking dirt <laughs> on the umpire's pants. It's so funny. He just <laughs> got like a bull. You know, he, he, he kicked dirt on the guy's pants. The like, he bent down move. and he picked it up with his hands. Yeah. He was That's my hands. confirmation suit. Like yeah. the umpire is going to be really upset. Yeah. These, you know, these league issue pants. But that's the, you know what Earl Weaver <laughs> went to kick dirt on him. Brian Price, manager of the Reds in 2015, dropped 77 f bombs. <laughs> that that remains the record. That's the record. Yeah. That is the record. Seventy-seven f bombs. That's his notable accomplishment <laughs> as manager of the Reds. Yeah. Who wrote that rant? Tarantino. Yeah, he was. No, there'd be way more n bombs in it if Tarantino <laughs> wrote it. The uh, it was because reporters kept, you know, reporting on the banged up players that he had, and you know, speculating on injury, and he just got fed up with it. There's the famous Leah Leah tri- uh, uh, tirade from the the Cubs in '83 when the Cubs were absolute garbage. 
and Cubs fans were letting him have it. I can't. I don't have it bleeped. I wish I could play it, but I know Mike Pursuta, That one's near and dear to your heart. Yeah, he just he's upset that the press is ripping his team and that the fans are booing his team. And the memorable line to me he says: eighty five percent of the people in this town have a job. The rest of them come here. Yeah, because <laughs> the Cubs play day games all the time. All day games back then. Why aren't, why aren't you at work? Lasorda um, uh, had many meltdowns. Uh, Kurt Bavacqua, uh, the uh, Kingman one, of course. Um, but Hal McRae's legendary uh, phone ripping incident, Ozzie Gian in 2008. Do you guys remember that one? Uh, Lou Pinella. What was the Ozzie Gian one? Yeah, I don't remember that one. He made some uh, very racially insensitive remarks. I think he was managing the Marlins back then. Yeah, he was. It was after he had won oh, a World Series with yeah. the White Sox. And then uh, Charlie Manuel went at uh, Howard Eskin uh, when he was the manager of the Phillies, and they went back and forth. He should have. Howard, Howard Eskin's, Eskin's a, a jerk. Tool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's and a Charlie deal. Manuel barely spoke English. He didn't say a lot, that's for sure. Uh, Stan, who do you got on the show today? Uh, Mark Madden will stop by. Um, I have a theory about how home teams could do better in the playoffs. They're doing terribly. Yeah. 34 and 39 home teams, you know. Losing records is astounding to me. So Mark will be by. We'll talk some uh, Penguin hockey and uh, Guy. It's Stan and Guy Day from 1 until 2. Um, are the Pirates for real? I've got three. I, I mean, I think that they're better than most people thought. Right. But I think there are three reasons why maybe they're not. Not to rain on the parade. If it's great as long as it lasts. Stan Saverin. Check them out. Noon to 2. Oh, by the way, can I mention this? Yes, you. Yeah, sure. Well, I just... Set myself up. Uh, tomorrow at 12.20 on my show, Jeff Capel, the new oh, head cool. basketball oh, coach nice. at Pitt, is going to be my guest. So I'm awesome. looking forward to that. Block out some time. He can talk. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so can I. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what will happen at 1.59. Hopefully we'll sign off by then. Michelle's got the electric lunch coming up next on DVE. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.